Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. AJ, what, is, what have you been up to today? I was so sure you were going to say, AJ, what's your perfect Sunday? <laughs> <laughs> you were leading straight for it. What have I been up to today? Um, I went and mm. bought some props for the film I'm shooting on Monday and Tuesday. Ooh. Just just as a little tease for us, you don't have to you know give away too much. What's one prop you bought, and how much did it cost? I bought an elf hat for one dollar fifty. Wow, where did you get that? The warehouse. <laughs> where can people get a bargain like that? The warehouse <laughs> where everyone gets a bargain, famously. Mm. Um, nice. Does it? Is it? Are you going to be wearing it in the film? Uh, I don't know if I'm going to be in it yet, but I have. Mm. I did buy twelve of these hats, so it wasn't just a oh, wow. hat. They're not all elf hats, though. So that was that eighteen dollars that see you back? No, they weren't all one dollar fifty. It actually ended up costing twenty three dollars. Oh. Okay, how does that work? Were they? Was it a variety of? Yeah, I bought. I, no, one of them was a, was like a velvety Santa hat. That was the most expensive yeah. one for four dollars, and then I bought several elf hats and then several lesser santa hats right so you have like your hero hats yeah, that the main yeah. character will be wearing and then as they get further away in the background you just tape a bit of paper to their forehead. <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> that is how we do it in the film business that's how the filmmaking works speaking of filmmaking we are here today <laughs> to talk about some films roll the intro <laughs> stop giving us cold opens we've never done them <laughs> What, I mean, what, what better time to reinvent ourselves than right now? Mm, well, welcome everyone mm. to Cold Popship, the podcast. Uh, personally, I, I I loved our cold open last week, and I love this one even more. Mm. And let us give us feedback if you enjoy cold opens on the on the Cold Popship podcast because I think they're fun as hell, especially now that you're editing on your laptop. And we don't have the pre-roll <laughs> that was the previous cold open. Hmm. That, that, yeah. Those things aren't really related. Me editing on the laptop. It's just that I don't haven't recorded a new one. Mm. So we're here today. This this feels like a a monumental episode for us. It's a franchise that bonded us back in twenty thirteen fourteen grade school, grade school <laughs> yeah, as as we call it. Um, in, in New Zealand, it's called. Uh, polytechnic or tertiary education but i think in the u.s you guys would call that grade school <laughs> don't you can't do that people get confused and think we're being serious like when <laughs> no, we, we made yeah, america it, think that fortnights don't exist or something well we made no, no we made america the, think the, the, that no. uh new zealanders didn't think americans <laughs> knew what a fortnight was well there was that one american that didn't know what a fortnight was that's true. That's how <laughs> they said, well, from context and doing some Googling, I can, I'm assuming it means two weeks. And it's like, 
Mm. How much Googling did you do that you're still not certain on what a Fortnite is? (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, we're here today to talk about a franchise which goes by many names. The Cornetto Trilogy, uh, Three Mm. Flavors Cornetto, or as what I originally knew it as, the Blood and Ice Cream Trilogy. This is the Edgar Wright directed trilogy of films which consists of Shaun of the dead hot fuzz and the world's end some people some some plebeians out there might be surprised to not hear paul listed on that which stars the two same lead actors as these these three films that was not written and directed by edgar wright so it does not count we will i think it will it'll come up later on uh, and then also, obviously not a movie, but I would be remiss not to mention the TV show Spaced, which is where the sort of collaborative team behind these three mm. films first worked together. Mm. Yes, and uh, speaking of other pleb opinions or misconceptions, mm. yep, we're saying this is a franchise. This film franchise, Fortnite's, where we cover film franchises, and wouldn't it be boring if every episode was just your standard film? Yeah, oh, it got a sequel, sequel. Lethal Weapon yep. 2. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. We're we're allowed to experiment with the form and uh this is one of a series of um film franchise Fortnite episodes which have covered what many would call a spiritual uh trilogy. Yeah, I would say this is an anthology franchise. Mm-hmm. Mm. How do you feel mm. about that? Because I feel fine about it. We we've talk- I would say <laughs> I'm not the like- one we're fighting, yeah, we're exactly. fighting the fans. I, you and I both <laughs> completely agree on this. But the I would say something like the Red Curtain trilogy is a spiritual trilogy, or like John right. Carpenter's Apocalypse trilogy, where these ones that the filmmakers have been like, Yeah, I'm exploring the same similar themes, themes in, in these movies and they make a nice you know trio or, or duo or, or whatever and whereas i think the three flavors cornetto trilogy is the wikipedia page which it does have a wikipedia page for the trilogy which is another point in its favor of being a franchise it talks about it, it points out that you know that this is an anthology film it's the same creative team it's the same actors playing different characters it's in the same way that seasons of american horror story are linked you know that um mm. more linked than some seasons of fargo or like all these other anthology series that everyone loves this one counts and it's yeah like you said it's more interesting to explore different ways that you can make a franchise rather than being purists and ignoring things like this Mm. and like another thing that we might be remiss to not uh quickly mention would be of course the three colors trilogy which this is in some grand way somewhat of a pastiche yeah the the three flavors cornetto trilogy is a reference to the three three colors (laughs) trilogy Mm. by uh, christoph koslowski which we have also covered on here and no one made a peep when we did that Mm. so i don't want (laughs) to hear one i guess those ones are explicitly connected but yeah yeah. but we better not hear a peep all right well so the films we're talking about are short of the dead hot fuzz the world's end came out 2004 2007 and 2013 uh they are all directed by edgar wright written by edgar wright and simon pegg who stars in them alongside nick frost and also produced by nera park who i think is very infrequently mentioned when people talk about All right. this franchise. Her. I said them. Ha! Roll the tape back. I said them. <laughs> it's still... Um, her preferred pronouns are she, her. So. How do you know that? 
getting real so d- defensive up. again. <laughs> I looked up <laughs> AJ. Don't you look up the pronouns of every single actor, director, producer mm. that we talk about? So the first film, Shaun of the Dead. This was born from an episode of the Spaced TV series we mentioned. Uh, yes, it's Spaced. For those who don't know, it's a sitcom written by and starring Simon Pegg and Jessica Stevenson. Oh, that, mm. that name sounds familiar. Uh, yeah, fun fact: she shares the name with my my partner in crime and it's all directed by edgar wright and it's these two 20 somethings who having only just met decide to move in together um to be you know to save money on housing essentially it also stars nick frost in a supporting role and there's an episode of that a lot of episodes of the show do the sort of you know predates community in a way of doing the the playing with genres Mm. sort of thing and one of them they do like a zombie episode and that directly inspired Shaun of the dead they made you know essentially a feature length version of that episode have you seen space and that came i have seen space have you uh, i reckon i watched the first couple of episodes when i was a teenager and was like oh yeah <laughs> uh no yeah I, I saw the whole series it's 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 really good okay. i really enjoyed it it's quite hard to find or at least i watched it maybe like 20 or 2009 2010 and it was quite hard to find then, mm. but I was probably looking for a physical DVD of it. <laughs> Do you want to know that the main thing I remember about watching it was that the second episode was to be continued. And I thought that was strange that you wouldn't wait at least three episodes into a show to do a two-parter. That's my enduring memory oh. of Spaced. <laughs> wow. <laughs> There's, um, it's, it's The first season predates the phantom menace oh wow and they're like they're, and so it's this really interesting thing where they you know they're massive star wars nerds but they live in a world where there's only three star wars movies and by all account they're quite good <laughs> um and then the first episode of the second season is is uh, simon Pegg like yelling at someone being like you weren't there you don't know what it was like blah, blah, blah. and then going off at um someone they're like oh you can't yell at a little kid like that and like he asked for a jar jar pink stall <laughs> um, and it's just it's just this really like funny because i think that you know now when i think of where star wars sits in the zeitgeist for most of my life there's been at least the prequel trilogy yeah true and yeah it's just just that that that, that you're seeing that sort of cultural shift in the and when in its two-year absence from television Mm. so yeah what is Shaun of the dead about aj Shaun of the dead is about a 29 year old slacker does that sound familiar (laughs) it's like you um who lives in a flat with his freeloading best friend and another flatmate who's you know got his life together um and he sort of lives a monotonous day in day out life where he and his flatmate and his jilted girlfriend and her friends go to a pub called the winchester pretty much every night and she wants something to change and sean is reluctant to change um and she dumps him and you know that'd be the plot of a whole movie but then that evening um a zombie outbreak happens and now the characters have all got to get together and uh they shack up in the same pub that they that uh liz sean's girlfriend was worried about growing old in um they they 
make their way there to try and survive this zombie apocalypse. I remember the hearing about this film. The first thing I heard about this film when I was what 11 or 12 was the tagline which was a romantic comedy with zombies that was the tagline mm. and I, that, that the other one has ever felt like you were surrounded by zombies very good mm. yeah mm. Mm. yeah and i so distinctly remember the poster yeah, for this yeah, yeah. and everything um what, what, what do you think it has on rotty tees i reckon like 95 on rotty tees in uh, 92 yeah. it's it's the highest rated of the trilogy i disagree but continue <laughs> <laughs> so yeah what um what's your experience with Shaun of the dead what an experience it is richard i mean what are we talking are you talking our experience with edgar wright are we talking our experience with film Shaun of the dead is is at the the big bang of me as a person do you know what i mean yeah i feel like i made it pretty clear that i just said Shaun of the oh dead. you said Shaun of the dead i thought you said aj do one of your long-winded rants where you don't let me get a word in <laughs> um <laughs> so Shaun of the dead uh was a film <laughs> i probably found out about maybe like six months after finding out about zombie movies right um i remember mm. my older brother was really really excited about this film that was out somewhere in the world this is before the time when it was quite easy to uh get a movie that you'd heard of and i remember <laughs> seeing the poster for it and as you said it's a very compelling poster with sean and like a was he in an elevator surrounded by zombies and he's oh, it's like a um i've always seen it as like the the windows of like a tube but i guess it could be oh uh, yeah it probably is a tube that makes a lot more sense um and he's surrounded by zombies and holding a bouquet of flowers uh and richard the the way that my brother conspired for us to watch this movie mm-hmm. was a little uh software that is not LimeWire. it was like bootleg LimeWire. it was called beer share Frostwire. no oh. beer share uh he down he was like i'm gonna download this movie illegally on beer share uh, and back in the day, these things took ages and it was uploaded in two parts. And so he downloaded the first half of Shaun of the Dead. Um, I can't remember exactly where it stopped. I want to say it was just as they got to the Winchester, maybe. So maybe a little more than half. Um, but it might have been, it might have cut off before that. I, I think, I think we, oh, I think it was, um, Phil turns into a zombie. The his stepdad turns into a zombie. I think that's what? I think that's as far as we got. Um, and Richard, I would have watched the first half of Short of the Dead <laughs> dozens of times with my brother. We we I remember like not knowing anything else, just seeing the first half over and over again. And we loved the theme music. The we thought that was yeah. so funny. So how long did you have between? watching the first one and then watching the second half i don't remember i don't remember but it yeah. was it was a while probably not probably like let's say realistically i'd say maybe like a month maybe two months yeah um right. and then my brother bought it on dvd i think he might have turned 13 into a zombie no no <laughs> i think he might have turned 13 and was therefore able to purchase it mm, on dvd th- these films were r13 yeah. in, in our country aotearoa mm, yeah uh, and we sat down with the family to watch Shaun of the Dead. And Richard, that night lives in infamy in my mind as one of the most miserable family experiences <laughs> of my life because 
because there is so much swearing in Shaun of the Dead. And like I mm. look at it now and I'm like, yeah, it's it's like British. It's made by people in, it's cool. in their late twenties. Yeah, like cool. it's very natural now, I guess, is how mm. I'd see the swearing in it. But at the time, all I could think of was like swearing is the one thing my parents don't want to watch in a movie and this could easily be plucked out of the film you could have no swearing and it'd be the same but i remember it just being a real bad vibe because of how much swearing was in the movie that we're watching uh and then finally we're getting to see the second half of the film which if you listeners if you have not seen it or if you have not had the experience of splitting this film into two halves the back half of the film is so much more miserable and so much more like <laughs> Mm-hmm. of a bummer than the first half they get into the winchester basically all the characters get systematically uh killed off one by one um dylan moran's character david uh gets pulled out of a window where his guts are ripped out um and what at the time was the goriest thing i had ever mm. ever seen right <laughs> and just like feelings of like did that character deserve that you know racing through my mind Mm. which like now i watch it as and as a storyteller i'm like yeah karmically he does deserve this he maybe doesn't literally deserve it but we're in a heightened stakes you know uh he kills his mum and it's fucking miserable and then to Mm. top it all off to quote auntie donna's alan degeneres sketch um (laughs) the as the zombies are all breaking in, one of them bites a chunk out of Ed's arm, Ed being played by Nick Frost, the the slacker uh, flatmate. Uh, and I remember my heart sinking. I remember my brother being like, oh, no. Like, and because, like, we had watched the first half of this film a dozen times. We were fallen in, love, fall in love with these characters. <laughs> fallen in love with Ed. We thought he was so funny. And then to see, and, and like... You know, and and it ends with them. Uh, escape, Liz and Sean escape out, and they 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 are the only survivors. And fast forward a year, we see that Sean is keeping Zombie Ed in the shed, uh, where he plays video mm. games with him. Uh, and I had such a I I had this was the first time I ever felt this way about a movie, and it would repeat several times over the years. And it was just this this drop this feeling of darkness about this film that like i just for years i was just like i i can't like this film as much as i thought i would have because because i just really didn't like ed dying i thought it was such a bummer like the whole bummer ending was was affecting me as well Mm. but ed specifically was like it just did not compute with me i never thought they would kill off ed uh and i first of all this is a broken way to watch a film Right, this is not how you're supposed yeah, to. Yeah, I, I wouldn't recommend. Yeah, it. this is not how you should watch a film. And I think uh, my feelings, my complicated feelings for Shaun the Dead, were a direct correl, like mm. directly because Stem of that. that. Yeah. yeah. What I will also say, and I don't think I've ever said this about any other movie, I think I was too wow. young for it at the time. Wow. I don't think I was mature enough to be able to handle seeing characters killed off in what felt like a comedy, as far as I knew, you know, mm. um, and for it to see it dipped so so much into like tragedy and like when he when he kills his mum it's like there's nothing funny about it you know like it it immediately stops Mm. being a comedy like it grinds to a halt and it, it just gets really tragic and really sad and like you know i still had like i'd still like felt like i liked the movie but i was really really upset 
at the ending and i remember going forward as i became more and more invested in in film as a teenager because this was right i would have seen this in year eight so a year before high school wow. and i remember going going forward yeah, agreed Frankly. agreed um <laughs> and like any time i would see a comedy where a character died or i would see a I, I remember That's not funny. this feeling again. <laughs> Take it out. Yeah, pretty much. I remember this feeling again. And and when I was a young steward of film, one of mm. the biggest things that would upset me would be tonally shifting character deaths and things. Characters mm. could die. I didn't mind that. But it was when yeah. the, the tone completely twists. I, the only example I could think of. Uh, super uh, no super's a great example actually i didn't think of that <laughs> yeah super has similar things um uh i won't spoil the deaths and, and a couple of other ones i can rattle off um burn after reading i never finished uh the coen brothers so movie funny. their death is funny though uh well yeah i guess so uh there's a movie that i can i guess i can spoil this because no one will know what this movie is but there's a, a zombie another zombie movie called dance of the dead that was about like a zombie apocalypse happening on prom night and again, it was nice. like a cool idea. And then characters mm. who I didn't feel like should have died, died. And you just end the movie mm. being like, oh, what a fucking bummer. So to Richard, to answer your question, what is my experience with Still the Dead? It might be the most complicated relationship I've ever had with a film, wow. I think. Wow. And I just want you to... Thank you for sharing that. You, AJ, I need you to calm down, take a deep breath. Stop giving <laughs> Um, yeah, I want, I want to thank you for sharing that. I think you articulated that very well. And I was very invested listening to your story. Mm. And I, I think you'll notice that I didn't try to undercut anything <laughs> you were saying. I didn't try to interrupt you thank or you. anything unless to sort of you know, beckon more information yeah, yeah. out of you. And I just want you to remember that experience, what it was like being on the other side of that mm. as we move forward okay. in the podcast. Okay. So... I you're will you're ask, setting things though, up like an Edgar Wright movie, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I will ask, though, watching it now, how has your experience changed? I think it is. And, and did you put, did you perhaps watch this film with anyone mm. particularly handsome or anything? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we, you and I watched this together. Probably the first film franchise film we've watched for the podcast together in years, probably. The last not film oh, we watched a couple of like off week ones maybe um elmo and grouchland yeah right yeah yeah totally <laughs> <laughs> um yeah so we watched this together when i was up in auckland last week um i i'll say this i certainly i can objectively read the film better now and i can see mm. like i don't particularly like ed anymore like i think he is a shit flat yeah, mate. Yeah, yeah. and so watching it now i'm like I, I think if I saw it now for the first time, I would have no problem with it. But I also think yeah, yeah. I, I, it is impossible for me to divorce my feelings from that I've always had from about. From the insane yeah. two-part yeah, yeah, watch yeah. when you were in year eight. Yeah, but no, I can... It's certainly what Edgar Wright does. So Edgar Wright is the the director that every teenage filmmaker wants to be. And the way that yeah. manifests is in the editing, the quick cutting editing yeah. style that uh, as two people who have been uh, heavily involved in a yearly short film competition here in New, in New Zealand, um, you'll recognize as being like, we see a lot directly, yeah, directly influences it. Yeah. If a, if a film doesn't have symmetrical shots, it has quick cut editing montages. Yeah. 
Yeah. They could, like, they're not being Wes Anderson, they're being Edgar Wright. Yeah. You, have, you have two types of, of student filmmakers, essentially. Uh, and what, what I think people should learn from Shaun of the Dead and from Edgar mm. Wright is actually set up and pay off because like yeah. similar Meticulous. to to Back to the Future is another example of this like the, mm. these are films especially the first two of the Blood and Ice Cream trilogy these are films which and maybe maybe Shaun of the Dead heavily far more than Hot Fuzz it's like just the same movie in reverse basically they set up everything and then they knock everything yeah. they set up in like a poetically reversed way yeah i think yeah, yeah especially those two i mean to, to to be fair to the world's end the world's end does a lot of that as well right, sure but I, i'm just I'm, I'm so much more familiar with the yeah, first two yeah. and we'll get into reasons why later on and stuff but yeah that like yeah sean of the dead has like every line in the second half of the film was a callback yeah. to a line from the first half of the film yeah. and and in Hot Fuzz, it's like every syllable is mirrored in some way. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's insane. Yeah, but um, yeah, I, I I really enjoyed watching Shaun of the Dead last weekend. It's I, I, um, I can't really talk about my experience with Shaun of the Dead until I talk about my experience with Hot Fuzz. So I'll start with that. But I, you're watching it now. It's it, it's one of those things where it's now filed away in like nostalgia mm. for me. Im- impossible and so to. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm watching it on a different yeah, level yeah, yeah. because it's so ingrained in who I am as a person. <laughs> like a positive version of what happens to me. <laughs> a positive version of what you had. That it's, you know, I'm watching things and I'm remembering, oh, I used to quote that with my friends mm. or I still quote that now with my friends. Mm. And you're watching it with you last weekend it was like we were both having this joyous mm. shared experience and just like there's so many lines in that where, and it's that kind of thing where you're watching a movie and you laugh because the note you know the line you like is about to come up yeah yeah it like yeah it, it's it's it was a super fun watch and mm. yeah it's it, i i still I, I still absolutely love it i think it's a fantastic movie mm. when we were watching it one of the bits that i like vocally expressed my love for is when after uh liz has broken up with sean and ed's trying to cheer him up in the pub and he's like you know i'm not gonna say there's plenty of fish in the sea i'm not gonna say da, da, da. and then he goes bombard you with cliches <laughs> it's such, what I will say it's such a quietly articulated scene everyone's speaking in a very yeah. hushed uh rich volume and then he's like he was like what i will say is this it's not the end of the world. And then a zombie like bangs its hand on the window and goes, Oh, and that moment feels like when something unlocked in my brain, when I saw that Mm. for the first time. And it was, I'm not going to say I was like, I understand film now, but it was the pathway Mm. to that. You know, it was like, Oh, this is doing something with with something only film can do. Uh, And it's that, that moment specifically rewatching that. I was like, God, what a, perfect piece of filmmaking that one scene is <laughs> yeah the, the, it is one of these franchises where we can just we could just go through and list <laughs> all our favorite lines all our favorite pieces of behind the scenes trivia mm. and like all, all these films have you turn on the subtitles they have like a trivia track mm. that just like throughout it points out bits of foreshadowing other behind the scenes trivia and it's like to me, they're just they're common knowledge now, you know. And so it's like I don't, it's hard to. Find yeah, them. Th- these are our versions of the 
the Lord of the Rings special yeah. edition special features. Yeah, like yeah, I, yeah. I've seen every special feature from Shaun of the Dead and Hotfuzz. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, 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 I quote the bloopers. Yeah, yeah. The, <laughs> is the 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 funky Pete? Yeah. Like that they they do version the the TV edits. They have little compilations mm. of them where they've changed the word fuck to funk, mm. and there's like results and fun little scenes. Yeah, I mean, it's it's very cliche for like we're like we're two guys that it's like you look at us and you're like of course we're fans of this franchise <laughs> yeah but it doesn't make it any less special no. <laughs> um is there much more you want to say about Shaun of the dead ah oh, i feel like there is um i guess like the difference between watching it then when i was a kid and watching it now is like I, you know, I was talking about how the, the, the thing people should copy with Edgar Wright is his setups and payoffs. Mm. And like these in your face. Copyright. Huh? What did you say? Copyright. Copyright. What, yeah. what did I say? That's how they should copyright. It's just funny because copyright <laughs> oh, right. is a word. <laughs> copyright. <laughs> I see. Um, like there's, there's, there's stuff that's a lot more obvious. Like he walks to the, the corner shop bef- before the apocalypse and then walks afterwards and, you know, mm. the same people are there, but now they're zombies and he doesn't notice. But there's also things like, um, it is, it is really, I, I see it now and I see it. It's a film about uh, growing up and, and like taking responsibility, being forced to take responsibility. And mm. I think that is, is really interesting to, to to see like the evolution of ed's character because i think i was always sad he died because he was a funny character and now i see Mm. it as he has like zero character arc in the whole film and that's why it's actually appropriate that he should be a zombie by the end because he already was one and that is the the theme of Shaun of the dead is like we live our Mm. lives so much like zombies that you know would you even notice if we became them for real yeah and it's i guess about the people that that love enough to to ascend that and to get out of that um yeah yeah it's interesting you use the word evolution there because for something we'll get into later but <laughs> uh nick frost said that the the theme of shawn of the dead was evolution hot fuzz was devolution and the world's end was revolution right oh yeah that makes sense that makes a lot of sense and yeah i always thought that was a a fun way to to look at them Mm. but yeah man Shaun of the dead what a fun also for those playing at home the cornetto flavor in this film (laughs) is strawberry because yeah so every film has a cornetto appear and obviously and also features like a lot of gore Mm. um hence the term blood and ice cream trilogy but yeah the cornetto flavor when it's they're hung over the next morning he goes to the shop to get a cornetto and which is a hangover cure based on edgar wright's real but that's what he used as a hangover cure apparently mm. and the red strawberry color represents the gore and the blood zombie movies i see etc mm, nice mm. so three years later this was followed up by hot fuzz mm. and uh there's a segment we often forget to do called french wise mm. and we're doing that now <laughs> no i think we should forget to do it <laughs> okay classic that's the real classic <laughs> move <laughs> <laughs> um yeah i think it's just they had so much fun doing it yeah right and i mean it's not it's it's as uh tenuous of a franchise anyway that it's like you could just make a movie 
you've what well, the franchise is he made a movie and then secured the budget mm. to make another movie and then he was like yeah. i'm gonna connect these and no one can stop me connecting them <laughs> <laughs> yeah so hot fuzz came out in 2007 three years later uh once again directed by edgar wright written by edgar wright and simon pegg this one featuring a classic blue trumpet i mean cornetto <laughs> whoopsie don't don't let the bloody cornetto heads hear me say that uh which are the blue obviously obviously signifying the cops mm. at the center of the film mm. and aj what is hot fuzz about hot fuzz is about a police officer in london who is policeman a policeman officer who is so good at his job that he's making all the other cops look bad and so the uh the chief inspector relocates him to sanford gloucestershire which is the uh, this tiny little crimeless town in the middle of england i assume i don't know where gloucestershire is um but it, basically the idea is to get rid of him because he's making them all look bad so he goes there and this town has like a pristine reputation it's one best village of the year for 20 years or something like that. i don't know how many times yeah yeah, uh, yeah there hasn't been a recorded murder in 20 years yeah. uh and uh but as soon as he gets the he, he he makes an unlikely friendship with um constable danny butterman who's played by nick frost uh nicholas angel being simon Pegg's character uh and uh while he's there a lot of people start dying and in, in horrific accidents and nicholas angel suspects foul play but everyone else is is so like unfamiliar with murder that no one believes him until it sort of reaches a tipping point uh spoilers for legitimately one of my favorite movies of all time if you haven't seen it please go watch it first uh what it what is eventually uncovered is that there is not just the one killer actually but there are multiple <laughs> killers uh and actually it's two killers and the entire neighborhood watch alliance or nwa and one of the funniest <laughs> like randomest jokes in this movie <laughs> um, which includes uh jim broadbent's character who's danny's father and everyone else's he's the chief inspector in sanford um they have a have a they've basically been murdering anyone who's made the town look bad and the the joke the big joke of hot fuzz is that it's nothing sinister it's like we don't like that there's a living statue busking in the street or we yeah. don't like that this woman they're, they're killed for the pettiest yeah reasons. yeah we don't like that this woman has an annoying laugh or that this guy's a bad actor um and it's such a fucking good idea for a reveal. And yeah. It's also it's a great idea for a movie like Big Town Cop. Yeah. In a small town. Yeah, yeah. Where everyone just thinks these are all coincidences. Yeah, it's such a good movie. Um and yeah, and so eventually uh Angel and the the good characters the good guys the good cops the, the, the good yeah. cops uh the good apples <laughs> they they team up and well they don't really team they, they team up very late in the game but they mm. uh rid sanford of its uh pesky um well it's 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 not really pesky it's totalitarian uh rulers <laughs> basically yeah so what do you think this one has on ron tomatoes so what this if shawn of the dead's 91 and that's the highest Mm-hmm. I reckon this. Oh, is, sorry, Shaun of the Dead's ninety two, and that's the highest. I reckon this is the lowest rated one. Just in some some twist of like infuriating fate, this will have the lowest critic score. I'm going to guess eighty five. Uh, it is not the lowest. It has ninety one. Okay, one below Shaun okay. of the Dead. <laughs> 
Cut, um, cut all that out. So, <laughs> cut out my prediction. So, Hot Fuzz. I mean, finally time to talk about it. This for 15 years. Mm. Not quite, actually. But I've said this is my favorite movie of all time. It's... God, I mean, this is a perfect movie mm. as far as I'm concerned. Mm. This is a phenomenal achievement in filmmaking and just a very, very beloved personal film. Mm. To me, as for my experience of it, it was, uh, we had a sleepover at, at probably in 2008, I think, uh, or maybe 2009. So I, had, I hadn't seen either Shaun of the Dead or Hot Fuzz up until this point and didn't really know much about him. I remember seeing the poster for Hot Fuzz when I went to go see the SpongeBob SquarePants movie at 10 a.m. <laughs> and um, I... Yeah, I, 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 I don't know. We like we had a sleepover, but then it was the next morning. We were like cramped in his like the corner of my friend's little room, and he put on Hot Fuzz, and just on this like tiny little computer screen, we watched it, and oh my god, I just I fell in love. Like yeah, yeah. it was actually just this transformative experience for me. Mm. It was the i mean i'd watched back to the future before this and, and things like toy story and stuff like that but there was just this i was unlike anything i'd ever seen before and it just it, it, it you know the, like the meme of like you watch um yeah someone goes to see like fight club and they're like tyler durden is my personality now mm. it was like hot fuzz is my personality now yeah, yeah. and i and then i just went out and like seeked out everything i could with like, I went and got a DVD of Shaun of the Dead, watched that immediately, mm. fell in love with that as well. I tr- spent months tracking down Spaced. I I even got a DVD of a show called Danger 50,000 Volts that Nick Frost hosted, yeah, which was yeah, like yeah, a survival yeah. show. Yeah. And there's an episode of that called Danger 50,000 Zombies where Simon Pegg appears and it's like the only one that's a, a parody. The rest of the show is like a completely serious All right. show of like how to get out of times but yeah man like hot fuzz i think it was like you sort of said with Shaun of the dead like the first time you realize like what film is and stuff that hot fuzz to me felt like the first time i really understood what was capable Mm. with film and with writing and yeah just like the 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 symmetry of the the plot just like how every fucking gag just like lands so well and just every single element to it just completely fell in love and like i remember when i got the blu-ray of this when i got a blu-ray player i watched the film four times in one weekend because it had three different commentaries on the on on the blu-ray so i watched it i watched it once and then just kept watching the commentaries pretty much back to back Mm. uh watched it with the trivia track everything seen every every uh, bonus feature everything with this film it is it's it's Mm. it's if it's not my favorite film of all time it's tied for first you know (laughs) like yeah Yeah, i think i my my um manifestation of a post hot fuzz personality was um <laughs> this is similar but not as cool <laughs> um i i just was like simon pegg is my favorite actor and i sought out <laughs> every like I, and, and simon pegg 
is in a lot of bad movies, can I just say? Mm. And I discovered this as a teenager. I remember watching no the, the Big Nothing. It's called. He's in a movie called The Big Nothing, which fucking sucks. It's so bad. I I, I always get Big Big Nothing and Big Trouble. <laughs> Because Big Trouble, I, I, Big Nothing's better than Big Trouble. I disagree. <laughs> I, I, I disagree hard with your disagreement. Um, I, I had a DVD of Run, Fat Boy Run, you know? You know what I mean? Yeah, like we're going to see that in the cinema. Yeah, um, yeah. How to Lose Friends and Alien I had people. a poster of How to Lose Friends and Alien mm. People in my room. What a weird movie for a teenage boy to have a poster of in his room. It's got Megan Fox on the poster. But I didn't get it for Megan Fox. I got it because Simon Pegg's sitting in a little armchair on the poster. Um, yeah, I, I just I sort <laughs> out seen, Simon um, Pegg movies. Have you Fantastic Fear of Everything? No, that, that came out just like after my yeah. obsession. That's, it's down. really good. It's really um, well, like well, like the main thing I remember from it is it's like really interestingly shot. Right, interesting. Yeah. But yeah, so this... I, I don't think I knew that you had seen Hot Fuzz first, which I think, uh, considering my experience with this trilogy... Is this going to be another fucking Crash Bandicoot thing? No, no, not at all. Like, I'm just saying, it's it's a really interesting... Uh, like, we've both experienced these movies in such different ways. The Crash Bandicoot thing, for those that aren't in the know, is <laughs> Richard claims that he loves Crash Bandicoot, but he never played the first one or CTR until the remakes came out. You be the judge, audience. Uh, anyway. Thank you for playing along with that. <laughs> the, the, my Hot Fuzz experience, my perfect Sunday, <laughs> my Hot Fuzz experience was, yeah, when it came out, um, I remember seeing the trailer and being like, this looks fucking awesome. And uh, me and my brother obviously had bonded a lot over Shaun of the Dead as, um, you know, even though it had made me feel kind of strange. Uh, and so we, I just turned 13 and we went to go see this because, again, it was R13. Went to go see it in the cinema. Uh, and yeah, man, this has got to be the first movie I saw in cinemas that was like, this is like the best at the time I would have said this is the best movie I've ever seen in the cinemas um I loved it I thought mm. it was so good uh it felt in a weird way it felt like it was um getting like allowing me to forgive it for the things I didn't like about Shaun of the Dead because uh they 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 you know make it look at the end of this film like Danny has died um Nick Frost character before revealing it's actually his long since past mother's grave and that they're actually still together and that their friendship can live on and again watching this movie as an adult it's like yeah of course you're not going to kill the sidekick in a movie that's about the importance of friendship but you know at the time <laughs> was like oh my god are they going to break my heart again I I watching it uh, as an adult and I've seen that I would have seen this most out of any of the films in the in the trilogy mm-hmm. uh and, sure. and I just, I love it so much. I think the story is so good. I think the jokes are so funny. I think the acting's really good. Um, one of my favorite jokes in this that that I, I like to think is underrated because everyone always spouts off their favorite jokes and, the, you know, the ones you... I, I know the joke you're about to say, and I just want to point out, I, I like, if, if you'd given me a pen and paper and asked me to write out the script of this film... I, I never would have included well, this joke. Go. I don't think it ever stuck out to, stood out to me. I was keeping an eye out for us. I, I was so desperate not to miss it. Because um, even when you told me the joke, I couldn't picture it in my head. 
despite having seen this film upwards of 20 times. So it's after uh, Nicholas Angel has discovered that the Neighbourhood Watch Alliance are behind it all, and he's... Because he he thinks that they've murdered everyone for a um, supermarket competitor conspiracy. Um, Yeah, yeah, this whole conspiracy. Yeah, and they're basically basically like, you're thinking about this too much. And and they're talking about um, one of the people they they killed who was an actor who you'd seen earlier in the film perform in Romeo and Juliet, and he was really bad. And And they're like... Like, um, it's like, he was a terrible actor. And Nicholas Angel is like, so you murdered him for, for that? And he's like, well, he murdered Bill Shakespeare. And Simon Pegg in this brilliant reaction just goes, what? Oh, and it moves on real quick. And I, I feel I, like it's funny that you, you didn't remember that because I reckon that little joke defined my sense of humor for a long time <laughs> yeah i could see that saying what and then going oh like and then realizing what someone meant feels oh, yeah. like one of the funniest things in the world to me and like <laughs> that that feels like so much of what i've written since seeing this movie so much of my sense of humor it feels like that joke mm. is, a, is like a the dream example of what i find funny so yeah I, I love that joke i love um i love that the the uh the relationship at the center isn't i don't know again like you think that it tries to get you to think danny's been killed earlier in the film it tries to make you think that danny has betrayed him and like because of Shaun of the dead i don't like it when i feel like a movie hurts my Mm. feelings but what i do like (laughs) is when it feels like a movie hurts my feelings and then reveals it actually didn't (laughs) which is what um, (laughs) fuzz does i think this is considerably better than Shaun of the Dead in my opinion um I think mm. it I think I think it's well I think it's a more chiseled version of Shaun yeah, of the Dead yeah. and so it's it's a lot more admirable I think the cast is is, is a lot more impressive um Timothy Dalton as as Mr. So Skinner is so good in this um I think mm. he, he's got such a like great I don't know he just he's just very fun to watch in great this. presence yeah, yeah. yeah i've always thought because timothy dalton is in this and then pierce brosnan about is this. in the world's end as like i wonder how much edgar Wright regrets not having roger moore in sean of the dead playing phil instead of bill nighy that's it has to no, be. but then you also have to bill, bill nye has to be in all three yeah, okay but who else would roger moore play in sean of the dead yeah exactly i've been wanting he, to talk the, to you about this all owner. week <laughs> he'd play the bar owner yeah you reckon but even he isn't like it needs to be slightly more substantial. I think I can just imagine Roger Moore delivering Bill Nye's lines in, in mm. Shaun of the Dead. But yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I mean, he could, yeah, um, he could play anyone. Mm. Mm. He's Roger Bloody Moore. He can do anything. <laughs> I, I was, um, not to just be like the, the podcast that just quotes the film, but the one, the jokes, or the one, the one joke really that has really, really stuck with me, and I quote on a weekly basis is, there's a bit when the two Andes, who are two of the detectives, both named Andrew, and also talking them as an uphill struggle, <laughs> that they... This is going to be insufferable they, they, for they, at least one listener, right? <laughs> oh. yeah. They're talking to um, Nicholas Angel, and they say, and they end it with, you and your monkey, and then Danny Butterman is standing behind him. And he goes, did he mean me or that? And he lifts up this like giant monkey titty. (laughs) And it's just, it's so funny. And his delivery of it is so funny. And it's, and Jess and I quote that on such a regular basis. (laughs) It's always like, 
when we're, when one of us is talking about how cute one of the, one of the cats is or something like that, and we'll be like, "Do you mean me or that?" <laughs> <laughs> That's adorable. But also a fun little thing that I'd be remiss not to mention uh, that um, is that the first time I had Jess round to my house and she saw my impressive DVD collection and said, "Oh, should we watch a movie?" And I said, "Yeah, sure." Then you know, I just feel free to pick anything out and out of my you know few couple hundred dvds she chose hot fuzz wow. on our first date um well first time i had she was around at my house and uh so we watched hot fuzz and it was always like this this good omen mm. of our relationship and then the next couple of times she came around we watched sean the dead and the world's end but uh yeah that that's like a nice. a cute little thing and you know just another way that this film is important to me mm. I think there is something that maybe needs to be discussed as well with uh, the Mm. difference between myself since the last time I watched this film and watching it for the podcast. Yeah, you're a big ACAB guy. I'm a big ACAB guy now. Um, And I was thinking about that going in, like, because there, there are instances where, like, I find certain movies or shows harder to watch now that I not, you know, I don't see the police as a... Now that you're a big ACAB guy. ...uniform, positive force... Uh, and so I was wondering, is Hot Fuzz a movie that is, you know, pr- proudly propaganda almost? Uh, is this going to, is it going to affect it? And what I realized halfway through is like, I can't forgive it the whole way because it is still about cops. But it is also about cops abusing their power and abusing like, mm. you know, like like the main bad guy in the film is the the chief inspector so it's still like there's there's this element of that that, that, yeah that that i wonder is it still like could you claim this is in some part a a movie that is aware of the social injustices respond that the cops have been responsible for over history because like the the oppressive arm of the law operates ultimately in hot fuzz and in sanford in the same way that we would criticized for it for in real life um you know so that's me justifying it to myself that i'm still allowed to like this movie nice yeah i mean you're allowed to like whatever you want whether it be cops or not okay thank you very you're much. allowed to like cops thank you for the permission oh man i mean god i i feel like like we could and we, you and i have talked about this film for hours before mm. one thing I do want to talk about with you, like we talk about titles a lot on this podcast, mm. and I think we may have had uh, this I mean, exact conversation on the podcast at some point mm, yesterday. <laughs> no, no, um, we've done it. Well, off we had pod. this discussion off pod yesterday, but I, I mean, every uh, time you start a sentence, it sounds like my perfect Sunday. <laughs> it sounds <laughs> like you've been influenced so completely by that that line. <laughs> so I, I feel like you won't have much to say about the world's end. As a title. As a title. Uh, yeah. I mean, yeah, not really, I guess. Yeah. But so Shaun of the Dead and Hot Fuzz are like... And it's also interesting that like Shaun of the Dead and Hot Fuzz both feel like they're puns or playing on something. And then The World's End's a pretty straightforward title. But the Pig and Wright have said that the title comes from... Uh, Egg Wright said that he wanted to make a title that had very little meaning, like Lethal Weapon, Point Break, Executive Decision. Right. Uh, and Simon Pegg joked that many action films titles seems to be generated from two hats filled with adjectives and nouns, and you just go, okay, that'll do. Totally. I've never heard it explained before like that. 
Oh, yeah. But the, the thing that's always made me super curious about this film. So it's a twist in the film that, or to reveal that there's more than one killer and that really sort of blows the whole thing wide open for Nicholas Angel. Obviously, where have we seen the word killer pluralized before in the band The Killers, who their debut album was called Hot Fuss. And there's a poster for Hot Fuss in the uh, in the background of the scene where she says no like catching them killers then he's danny replies it's just the one killer actually and that's what and that replays in angel's head so there is hot fuss is explicitly referenced in the mm. film or like not explicitly subtly referenced in the film <laughs> and i've always been so curious that like is hot fuzz a pun on hot fuss before you told me the thing that edgar wright said I would have said, yeah. surely not, but I don't know why they called it Hot Fuzz. But Edgar Wright's yeah. explanation makes a lot more sense to me. They, like, fuzz is a term for the police that they mm. say in the film. Here, oh my, here comes the fuzz. Uh, mm. And I guess, and there's also that, is it Super Groove? The song that plays at the end? It's like, oh, caught yeah, by yeah. the fuzz, well I was, oh, still yeah. on a buzz. Is it, oh, who sings that? I don't think it's super groove. I think I've made myself sound like an idiot. Supergrass. Supergrass. Okay. That's not too bad then. Supergroove of the Kiwi band. Yeah, right. Um, so like I think therefore putting hot in front putting hot in front of it was what makes it a unique term, but also like hot fuzz. Yeah, it's the fuzz and they're hot. Like Yeah, but also like I know what you're saying, and it's impossible it, like, to look away from. <laughs> it's impossible it has to ignore. To be a reference to the killer song. So but the annoying thing is that I also just realized yesterday is that, I, and this is again getting into something later in the podcast, but I've been in a unique position where I've met both Edgar Wright, well, I've met Edgar Wright, Simon Pegg, and Brandon Flowers of The Killers as of this week. I could have asked any of them about this, and I didn't. Mm. And it's like, I'm, when am I going to meet those people again mm. and ask them, hey, is Hot Fuzz a reference to Hot Fuzz? Because, it, like, in my quest. mind, it's like, it has to be. <laughs> but also because Shaun of the Dead is such a fantastic title. You know, reference oh, to Dawn of the it's, Dead. It's so good. It's the perfect title for, like, that kind of film as well. And so I think that if The World's End was first and then Hot Fuzz came out, I would be less, maybe less inclined. But they established that the pattern is you take the name of something else that fits the genre <sighs> And then replace it with a word that sounds similar and, you know, fits your twist on it. Mm. And so it's like, yeah, did they go, oh, we'll have a subtle reference to the fact that there's more than one killer in the title of the film. I think what it is, is they came up with the title Hot Fuzz based on what Edgar Wright said. And then in production, he was like, huh, the Killers album is called Hot Fuss. Let's put that in the background. If at all, because they are, I assume, a band that's probably very popular in Britain. Um, mm. And I, yeah, I don't think it's a case of... Um, but so do you think the poster might have been there by accident? No, I'm saying that maybe it was put there intentionally after they'd already come up with the the name Hot Fuzz and gone like, oh, that, that'd be funny if we referenced it subtly i don't know do you know what do you know what's making me struggle to get on your side is that it is such a minor minor thing in the background and beyond the thing you've discovered that it's about multiple killers there's nothing else connecting it to like if you're going to have a pun for a title it needs more basis 
then well this is my point yeah right so you're saying it, it needs more be a so, so why do it <laughs> <laughs> i see like i see why it, you're it, so it, conflicted it's, there it's too clearly a pun but also why yeah well i don't the, my answer to that is i don't think it is intentionally being a pun I guess. No, it has to be. It has to be, though. Are there any of these people on Twitter? Can we start a fucking... I think I've tweeted it right before. About, I'm gonna, about we, this? We just start doing this again. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think... It, did he, he like liked a tweet Cop Option made or replied to something, and then it was like... <laughs> Edgar, is, is, it a, is it a reference to... <laughs> That's so funny. Now, now that we've got your attention... Nice. I don't know. Like, people... Is there any other explanation for? I mean, I feel like there is. Why would you it. not just? Why would you not just confirm it? What well, is your <laughs> problem that hot fuss is is referenced in the film? Do do you think, or do you think the film should have been called something else? Uh, I no, I don't think I have a problem with either of those elements. If okay, here, let me rephrase that. Let me rephrase that. If there is not a poster of hot fuss in this film, would you feel like this theory still had? I think that would make it more infuriating because oh, okay. it's it being in the film is like I'm I'm so sure of this. I just need confirmation from Edgar or Simon. Mm. If it wasn't in the film, I would be like, "Do they even know?" <laughs> like it would, it would add an extra layer to my, an extra depth to my rabbit hole mm. because I'd be like, "It so obviously is right," but they've never confirmed it. Are they even aware of it? Mister Brightside was huge in the UK. It was like it's in the chart for like five hundred weeks. So obviously they know the album Hot Fuss, but then. It, it's in the movie and everything Igarai does is so meticulous that it's like, yeah, you've got it. It's, it was put there. It's in the trivia track subtitles that it says there's a, a poster for the killer's album, really? Hot Fuss, which is a clue that there's more than one killer. It says that in the trivia well, track. Well, then what are you complaining about? That Doesn't that answer the question? How have you waited this long to bring that up? That feels like you're smoking gun. Well... They don't reveal the knife till like halfway through Twelve Angry Men. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Good point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. Is I, I I watched this this film last night with um a friend of mine who I, I hadn't seen in like five years because uh, she'd be living in London, but the she was telling me that. They when they were just sort of you know doing as as people who live in London do just tour around and they were in this um in this small town in the UK and then it was like on their last day there they were like I just realised why this looks familiar and they realised they'd been staying in Sanford oh. and hadn't realised and then were like oh my god like yeah this is this place and this is this place and it was I think it was it was inside one of the pubs that they were finally like. Holy fuck, I know where this is. So Sanford is just a real place. It's not a real place, but like when oh. um but it, it oh, was Oh, they're saying in the town that was yeah, renamed. Yeah, that was Sanford. that was used for I it, see. which um I could probably find. Uh Wells in Somerset. Somerset. Nice. Somerset, Somerset. He's not. not Judge Judy and Executioner. Yeah. Uh one thing we haven't mentioned that's another through line of these films is the fence gag. Yes, right. So in, in Shaun of the Dead, uh, there's a bit where they, they take a shortcut to get to the Winchester. And he's like, what does he say? What's the matter? You've never taken a shortcut before. And he goes in to yeah. jump over a fence. And the fence, uh, what happens? Does it fall down? 
Yeah. yeah, so it falls down. He looks like an idiot. And Hot Fuzz, he goes, what's the matter, Danny? You've never taken a shortcut before and does like a front flip over the... Um, <laughs> the the fence he like he he flips over like three different fences yeah yeah and what is like as a you know as somewhat of a filmmaker now you can see like there are multiple men dressed up like Simon yeah, Pegg yeah. and just acting as stunt doubles for that um, yeah yeah and, and um actually Pegg did three of the flips um so he 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 vaults over three and then does a flip over the fourth it's a stunt uh, on the fourth uh-huh. and then um. And then Danny goes to run through it and just trips and falls straight through the fence. And it's so fucking funny. Mm. And then um, Nick Frost looks back at the camera. Um, Danny like looks back. Um, and that's to prove that it was actually Nick Frost. That <laughs> that, that's that's why the actor Nick Frost made the decision that Danny would look back. It's <laughs> to prove that he did that pratfall. That's great. I That, that rings a bell somewhere in my mind. I, I reckon I've seen the the special feature that mentions this <laughs> yeah that's so good and then um there's obviously a fence gag in the world's end as well uh, which is very similar to love and Shaun of the dead that he tries to jump over a fence and the whole fence mm. falls down so that is hot fires any other any any last words god this is one that Dream i could just noise. i could just re- like could just reel off trivia mm. at you yeah but also like hours. that that's you know, this is trivia people probably know, and I think yeah, but it is. I, I hate I hate these episodes like this where it's like there's so comprehensive like stuff to cover, and it's a favorite for many people listening. They go, "Oh, I'm surprised you didn't mention this piece of obscure <laughs> well, trivia." Well, what, it's like, else? trust me, trust me. Whatever you have to say about any of these films, I know it yeah, already. Yeah. What I think the I I defy you, listener to tell me something I didn't know about this franchise. I think at the centre of our podcast, though, is a discussion about how a fr- how these films work in tandem with each other, how a franchise mm. works in tandem with each other. And so it's less about, like, rattling off trivia, which we do do, but, like, it's more about yeah. how these things work in the pantheon of, of franchises, I think. Yeah. Mm. And talking about titles a lot. Of course. So, six years later, we Six long years, Six dude. long years, yeah. We had the world's end. This was a movie whose title was confirmed in a year after Hot Fuzz, it mm. feels like. And I there was a time in my life where, and I think I've mentioned this before, where I never thought this was going to come out. And it yeah. was next to what would eventually be The Dark Knight Rises and what still isn't 28 months later mm. as the the third parts of trilogies that, and as a teenager those three specifically so desperately wanting them to come out mm. and fucking 28 months later is still the only one that every three years there'll be an article yeah they Gary just Boyle they just got like, a writer or something like that or uh, yeah, yeah, i think we could see us doing another one but yeah this this obviously took longer than the dark knight rises mm. to come out so. yeah it is yeah it is that, that interesting thing where it's like what when i discovered this franchise there was already Shaun of the dead and hot fuzz and then it feels like such a significant portion of my life was spent waiting for the two for, for, for the, the yeah. gap between these two and then it's like i came of age in this time i mm. finished high school finished uh, my theater company and then i was now at broadcasting school when the world's end came out yeah, again yeah. though i would be remiss not to mention uh paul which is written by simon Pegg and nick frost and and also produced by nera park but not directed by edgar wright he had nothing to do with it and so yeah that it's 
some people sort of incorrectly assume it's part of it or it's related in some way. It's I was uh, always just... kind of annoyed they even did it. Yeah, because it's also because it, like it, a sci-fi one. They, they, we knew yeah. that the third one was going to be a Mint Cornetto uh, referring to like the little green man. And right. then, yeah, they make Paul, which is a very Americanized version of mm. the- Seth the, Rogen. The, 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 yeah, he's got Seth Rogen as the voice of an alien. I, I don't dislike Paul, I'll say. I'll need to see it again as a non-Christian. I remember at the time being like, oh, fuck off. <laughs> Why do they make? Why do they have to make fun of Christianity in the movie? Yeah. But I do, I do. It does have one of my favorite lines in the history of film in it. Bill Hader plays like this, you know, FBI agent chasing people down and chasing the main characters down, and then one of them is like, you know, Bill Hader's like, pull, pull over the car, and he goes, "I'm on a mission from God," and Bill Hader says, "Tell him you failed," and shoots him. And it's just Very like, cool. I just love that line. <laughs> it's right up there with uh, just the one killer, actually. <laughs> yeah, so, Paul, Paul always an- it annoyed me. It, it like messed with my, you know, want for everything to be neat and tidy mm. when Paul came out. Yeah, absolutely. Like, to the untrained eye, this is mm. absolutely the next one, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it is one of those things that's like, oh, people don't understand. People <laughs> need to know. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, I didn't even see it in theatres. I, like, waited till it was out and... I remember going to see <laughs> Paul in theatres uh, and I had a crush, like I knew her, I had a crush on the girl that worked at the at the movie theatre and I'm like, I was with two friends and I made a fucking beeline for the movies. I was like <laughs> determined to get there to talk to her and then she wasn't working and then she was on a break and then they were like, yeah, there was a girl who t- tried to wave you down and said your name and you just walked right past her who was like at the first one at the mall. No! <laughs> but yeah, The World's End did eventually come out in 2013. What is it about, AJ? It is about a uh, slacker named uh, Gary King who was once the best guy in high school when he was a teenager and he had this group of friends and on the last day of school, um, well, the after school was out, I guess, they tried to do the Golden Mile, which is a pub crawl of the, the 12 pubs in their little town. Um, New, New Haven? Newton Haven. Newton Haven. Um, and they never completed it and then everyone grew up and got all mature except for Gary who's played by Simon Pegg and uh, something stirs in him and he decides it's time to get the band back together and so he gets all the the guys back who are much more mature and moved on um, to uh, try they somehow convinces them to try and do the golden mile again the actors you've got uh, most significantly you've got Nick Frost who plays um, Andy Andy Knightley. Andy Knightley. And you've got Martin Freeman, who plays uh, Oliver. Chamberlain. Um, and Oliver then you also have Patty Constantine as Stephen Prince and Eddie Marsden as Peter Page. They've all got, um, you know, Knights of the Round Table. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today type names mm. led by gary king and then you've got knight um prince 
Chamberlain page. Uh, and so it becomes, it's sort of like a movie about how everyone's just basically fucking sick of Gary King. Mm. Uh, and then at some point during the movie, uh, they learn that most of the town has been replaced with uh, robot replicants of who they once knew. And they find themselves entangled in a uh, intergalactic situation whilst also desperately trying to finish their beer run. Mm. And so, yeah, the, 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 the sort of theme of this one, I guess, is that when you go back to the town you grew up in and you realise huh, this is like, this is different than you realize, oh no, it's actually me that's changed. The idea is, no, what if the town actually did change? Right, I see. Uh, and this, I believe, has 89% on that's Rotten correct, Tomatoes. Yeah, the I one. looked it up. I looked it up. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So, I want to tell you, AJ, about my experience <laughs> with this film, and I do not want to be interrupted at any point in this, because this is... <laughs> such an important story to me everyone has like one really good story that it's like you know this is a good story you have your brett mckenzie twice story (laughs) i have this one okay oh you're telling not the not the story you've been teasing for seven years where i this is the same story don't interrupt ah okay (laughs) sorry so so I'm moving away from the mic, just so just to face the So, picture. The World's End, um, and I, I so distinctly remember the trailer for this movie coming out and, and finding out what the movie was going to look like and all the stuff. And it was, again, like you thought it might never come out. And then finally seeing the trailer was like, oh my God, like I can't believe this is happening. So, 2013 rolls around. The film is coming out in just over a week. Can't wait. Super excited. You know, f- concluding a trilogy that... The first two parts are two of my favorite films of all time. Driving home late one night um, out to my girlfriend at the time's house. And the, we're listening to the radio. Never usually listen to the radio. But they said, hey, we've got two tickets to give away to the world premiere of The World's End uh, with a chance to meet the stars and Edgar Wright. And... I think, oh, you know, it's, it's in Wellington. I'm in Christchurch at the time, but I think, eh, fuck it, you know what? I'll I'll call up. I'll give it a go. And so I call up. I get through. They go, all right, yeah, sweet. We'll, we'll pop you on the line. We're about to see base, blah, blah, blah. Just sort of get basic information. And then they say, okay, sweet, yeah, cool. Uh, you've won. You're the you're the first caller. Yeah, sweet. We'll put you through in just a second. And I was like, holy shit. I'm like, you know, put my hand over the mic and go, oh, oh my God, like I've, I've fucking won these tickets. And then... They go. They come back to me and they go, "Hey, um, someone's actually just called through now who lives in Wellington, so we're going to give the tickets to them instead." And I, I'm, you know, I'm shocked. I just go, "Oh, I, I, okay." And then they hang up the phone and and that's it. That's my, you know, one chance to attend this premiere. Also, just fun random fact is that like the they the world premiere of all the films was obviously held in London, but the international premiere, I guess you'd call it for Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fuzz, Paul and the world's end were all just held in Wellington and New Zealand for some reason. That was like, they oh, were, I thought it was only the world's end. I don't know. No, no, they, they, they did it for all of them. And, um, yeah, yeah, I'm not, I'm not hundred percent sure. I know they were big Peter Jackson fans. And I think that like brain dead was a big influence on Shaun of the Dead 
and so well, Peter Jackson also has a has a little cameo, cameo on Hot Fuzz, Hot as, Fuzz as Santa who stabs uh, stabs Nicholas Angel. Anyway, so drive home in a bit of a like glum state, obviously. So this was a would have been a Thursday night, I think, and the premiere was on Saturday. So I go to bed and sort of thinking like, oh, you know, it would have cost quite a bit to fly up to Wellington. So whatever, you know, not the end of the world. Mm. Zombie hands slap on the window. <laughs> <laughs> um, so then I, I go to sleep. I wake up the next morning with just this fire in my belly. And I think, you know what? I won that. That was, I, that I, I deserved those tickets. And then so I, I got up, I went to the computer and I like wrote out this like massive email to ZM, the radio station, um, found like just a contact information of like, you know, info at ZM, sent this email being like, hey, blah, blah, blah. And then the more I thought about it, the more I talked to like my parents and stuff, I got deeper and deeper. And so I went through ZM's like terms and conditions and I found all these like terms and conditions that they mention and highlighted certain ones and, and started attaching it to my emails being like, you know, it says it's the sole responsibility of the prize winner to pick up the prize. And I was, and then, so I would start my emails with like last night, I legally won one of your competitions. And then, you know, the host took the opportunity away from me. It's, it's and you saying your terms and conditions, it's my responsibility to pick up the prize. It's not the host's responsibility to decide whether or not I'm capable of picking up the prize. Mm. And Eventually, after days of like the whole day of just emailing people, I eventually got the email address of like the CEO of or the station manager of ZM. And I sent an email. I hadn't gotten any replies all day, maybe, you know, the odd automatic reply, but I sent an email to them. And within 10 minutes, I got a phone call and it was the station manager or the CEO wow. or whatever of ZM. And they said, hi, Richard. Um, We've just received your email. That's obviously, you know, we're very sorry that this has happened to you. I've got the host of the show that you were on last night who, you know, that's so they pulled the, the host of that show into his office to apologize to me on the phone. And she said, look, I, I didn't obviously didn't realize how serious you were about this. And also for context, I wasn't really looking for anything at this point. I was just, you know, you know me, AJ, I'm someone who like... Mm. If 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 there's like an injustice being done to me or or a chance to stand up to authority, I will take it. And I I love doing this. I get off on doing. You're an ACAP guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so, like even even now at work, people are like, "Oh, I'm having an issue with my manager." I'm just like, I'm like, let me write the email. I I love doing this shit. And I like then, this with when people are flirting with uh, quitting their jobs. I'm yeah, like, yeah, yeah. no matter what your job is, quit it. <laughs> Quitting your job is the best feeling in the fucking world. Do it. Yeah. This the the host apologizes to me. And like I said, I'm not looking, I'm just looking for an apology or just just a chance to make some noise. They do they say to me, we have we do still have two tickets that we were going to just give away on the night, be like, who can get here in an hour? Come on down, we've got two tickets. You can have them if you want. If you can get to Wellington and you know 36 hours mm. and i was like fuck okay i mean I, I legit was not expecting this at all and then so i said yeah yeah of course i'll take them for more context as well about a month earlier my grandma passed away and she left me a thousand dollars so i just had this like this little kitty of money that i would never usually have otherwise right. and i was able to put that towards flights 
flew up to Wellington the next day. And my parents always said like, oh, your grandma would have loved that this is what you spent the money on. Because, <laughs> she, you know, she was the same kind of thing that it was like, you know, like a, you would say like a Karen, but one of these people that's like would love to, would love the story of like standing up to these people mm. and whatnot. So fly up to Wellington the next day, um, go to the premiere, the the station manager or the, the, the whoever, the PR person meets me outside, gives me the tickets and I, you know, I'm like a kid in a candy store. There's like a, there's a red carpet there. They, they were still filming The Hobbit at this point. So they had like a bunch of people. Richard Armitage was there. Benedict Cumberbatch was there. Uh, Martin Freeman was obviously there. And then Edgar Wright, Simon Pegg and Nick Frost had flown here to, to do this premiere. And then I went in. I just, you know, shot off. Just super excited to see everything. And then the PR person says to my girlfriend, oh, like, oh, where is he going? Because like, d- does he know that you've actually like you know we were going to like a separate thing to do the meet and greet and so this whole time i just thought it was like hey here's an opportunity to be in the same room as these people if you have the <laughs> guts you can approach them but no then they take us into us one of the it was at the um capital cinema i think it's called and then they take us into one of the smaller cinemas and there was maybe 10 of us in there if that um, and they were, these were all people that had won prizes various things to be there and we sit in there for about 10 minutes and they said, okay, cool. So you guys will come through here. And then uh, eventually they got us to all stand at the front under the screen. And then Edgar Wright, Simon Pegg, Nick Frost and Martin Freeman walk in and they walk in, they take photos with all of us. They sign all our stuff. Uh, Edgar Wright was the first one I spoke to. He signed something for me. I talked to him about how excited I was for it. And yeah, he said, you know, he's really proud of, of this one. He said he thinks it's the best one. Um, and then he, he moved on quite quickly. I got a quick photo with him. But then Simon Pegg came and talked to me and had like a really, really great chat with Simon Pegg. Super, super nice guy. And one thing I remember about that was that I, he said that he skydived over Christchurch in 1998. And he was like, how old would you have been then? And I was like, five. And he was like, five. And I was like, yeah. And he's like, in 1998. And I was like, yeah. And he's like, how old are you? And I was like, 20. And he was like, oh, I thought you. And he thought I was way older. And so he was like, just giving me a chance to correct my math. And then it was this really cool thing that like, so then they were sort of going down the line, but Simon Pegg and I ended up getting into this like longer conversation. And then Nick Frost caught up to us and it was this really interesting thing of like seeing them as they would walk past each other. They'd like, you know, say little inside jokes to each other and be like, Oh wow, these guys are actually like really close mates. And then got a photo with Martin Freeman and Simon Pegg together that Nick Frost then photobombed, but the person taking the photo didn't take it well enough. And so it's like just this blur behind between me and Simon <laughs> Pegg. That's actually Nick Frost. And yeah, had a good chat to them. I asked Martin Freeman about a new season of Sherlock. I remember, and he was like, "Oh yeah, Ben's here as well. Like, have you seen him?" And I was like, "Oh my god!" <laughs> and Martin Freeman, I remember being stinking drunk as well. <laughs> and then we went into the cinema, and yeah, this was when Nick Frost gave the speech talking about um, evolution, devolution, yeah. and revolution. The other things that they talked about was that, um, yeah, the first time they came to Wellington was, I think, before Shaun of the Dead or while they were promoting Shaun of the Dead. And Peter Jackson picked them up and 
they were driving around and Peter Jackson was you know showing all the stuff from Lord of the Rings and stuff like that but they just kept on being distracted being like oh my god that's from Braindead oh my god like they were like so obsessed with these he's trying to show them Lord of the Rings like the film he won Oscars for but they're like oh my god no that's like the thing you made with your friends and um, I remember the last sort of thing they said before the film started Nick Frost talked about how he doesn't often get a chance to show off his Winston Churchill impression, but he's, he's going to do it now. And he said, a lot of people have been asking us if this film is going to be, is this the last time we ever work together or whatever? And he says, it is not the end. It is not the beginning of the end, but it is the end of the beginning. And they sort of said, of course, we're going to work together at some point. Another interesting tidbit that Egg Wright mentioned was that the idea for The World's End, he thought of on a flight from Wellington to Australia after the Hot Fuzz premiere. Um, And so that was like, and so he said, yeah, you can claim this as a New Zealand film if you want. (laughs) So we watched the film. To this day, it's one of the greatest cinema going experiences I've ever had. Like, Obviously, so much other stuff affects this. That whole night, that whole story leading up to this affects my first go watching this in the cinema. You're watching it with the most diehard fans who are picking up on, oh, that's Michael Smiley playing Reverend Green. He was tires and spaced. Um, there's Mark Heap is one of the barkeep owner, the the pub owners, and he's like the last main character from Spaced to appear in one of these films. So he got a little cheer when he was on screen. And the um the arcade machine that appears in mm. all three films. They walk past and it goes It's like really brief fleeting. And so like just all these like subtle little references. Every joke landed like super hard. And obviously just you know there's electricity in the atmosphere being in the same place as all these people. So I remember I posted on when when I had that first injustice happened to me. I posted on Facebook that oh my god, I won tickets to go see the the premiere of the World's End and meet all the people. And then ZM took it away from me, and all these people commented. I remember specifically you, AJ, commented us not being like super close friends at the time, but you commented being like, oh my god, Richard, are you okay? And then wow. I commented later on, being like, update. They're sending me to. Well, I'm going to Wellington and it's happening now. And I remember you conspicuously didn't like that or react to it in any way. And you and I had bonded over Shaun of the Dead and Hot Fuzz at this point already. And I knew you knew how much this meant to me. I knew how much it would mean to you, how much you'd like, how happy you would be for me or how jealous you would be or how much you would want to be in my place, anything. And I was just so excited to talk to you about this amazing experience I'd had. And then I got back to broadcasting school on Monday after like 10 hours in Wellington Airport, which was such a horrible experience. Corey Monteith died while I was at the airport. <laughs> <laughs> I just remember that, but our flight was delayed so long and we, we went to the airport early to be like, oh, we'll just kill time by going to the airport. If you're ever thinking that at Wellington Airport, don't do it. It's the most fucking boring airport in the country. But then our flight was delayed. So we yeah, ended up spending like 10 hours there. Get to broadcasting school the next day. I'm there. I'm on cloud nine. I've had the greatest weekend of my life. I've been telling everyone about it. And then in walks my friend AJ and our friend Connor. And Connor comes up to me and say, and you, you guys are standing together. And I'm like bursting with excitement to tell you about this. And Connor says, 
oh my God, Richard, how was it? I told him, I blah, blah, blah. I said, oh my God, it was incredible. And then I turned to you because I knew you were obviously going to ask something and you looked up at me and you said, your nose hairs are real long. And then you walked away. And that is the story. I've been dying to get off my chest since this podcast started. And thank you for not spoiling it because I've been terrified the last two weeks that you would jump in there <laughs> with the nose hairs punchline before I got to it. Richard, um, not only do I think that uh, The World's End is not a very good movie, I think your nose hairs are long. <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, my nose hairs are very long. <laughs> I've got a fucking moustache, idiot. <laughs> That's all nose hairs I don't hairs have are. a moustache, AJ. I just have long nose hairs. <laughs> Imagine if I now revealed my side of the story and I'd like had some horrific like nose uh, hair related personal, personal issue happen. And uh, the truth is, I don't remember that happening. I don't remember. I've I've always known you met them, and I don't even remember like feeling jealous about it. I'm not saying I didn't. I'm saying I don't mm. have like this this memory of being super jealous about <laughs> it. But I don't remember the story. I don't remember the story. And you never remember nice things I do. You always remember when I tell you your nose hairs are too long. <laughs> um, but it was, it was just such like a... I mean, because I think I just took it as like, okay, he's clearly very jealous and isn't ready to talk to me about this. Fair enough. Um, but yeah, and because I remember... It doesn't seem like something I would do, but... Yeah, well, I, I know that like our relationship, like even now with like watching films before another person that like we're both really anticipating is that like we don't like to know what the other person thinks about it where possible and so i think that i think that's specifically you and me not like everyone oh no yeah that's what i'm saying i think think we know each other's tastes yeah yeah yeah. and i think that there's probably an element of at that time that you didn't want me to talk about the film that's totally that's probably what it was yeah that's honestly probably more likely yeah. than me not being happy for you that you'd Yeah, no, and, and 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 I and I get that. And I like I wasn't gonna spoil the film for you, but I um <laughs> I didn't need my nose hairs attacked. Well, I think you did, because they were <laughs> extremely long. <laughs> I thought you didn't remember it. <laughs> so what what are we talking like i think it's so interesting you telling us that story and talking about how the crowd was right and like everyone's laughing at all the jokes um i didn't say the crowd was right didn't well the crowd the crowad was super into electric it. electric uh i don't think you said that either but <laughs> yeah um and saying that edgar wright says it's the best one and stuff like mm. that I barely like this movie. <laughs> I like, I barely like it. I w- rewatched it for the first time for this podcast. I oh, wow. saw it in, in the cinemas. I think I saw the end of it playing when my flatmates were watching it over 2020 lockdown. Mm. While ro- watching it, I was like, I'm going to give this two and a half stars on Letterboxd. Wow. And then by the end, I was like, all right, I'm going to give it three stars, but I'm not going to give it a heart. <laughs> and th- and that's how I feel about this movie. I don't think this is a very good movie. And I think it is, it's not even just that it's um the weakest of the trilogy, mm. which dare I say is the universal opinion mm, that yeah, The World's End is the weakest one. I think it falls flat. I don't think it's very funny. I th- And I think it's also uh, weirdly... Um, 
it's weirdly offensive in, a, in ways that the other two aren't. I mean, Shaun of the Dead does have the N-word in it for some mm. reasons, spoken aloud by, by Nick Frost. But beyond that, like, Hot Fuzz is like a quite it's actually quite a squeaky clean movie like mm. there is referencing references to fingering in it but that's about as like <laughs> that's about as horny as the movie mm. gets whereas the world's end is like there's the main character is basically like a sex pest he he uh, there's a lot of jokes made out of the, out of like sexual harassment um there's there's just and this isn't necessarily offensive but it is notable that there's just generally more jokes about sex in it which feels strange coming from hot fuzz which feels kind of um like it's looking at sex from afar there's also like quite a few like homophobic lines in the world's end which uh in true 2013 style see uh anchorman 2 uh this this movie's aged the poorest out of all three i mm. think it, it it's the one that makes you go like the most like the, there's the n-word in Shaun of the dead but you can't you kind of just be like it's lost in the chaos of it all whereas mm. the world's end like slows down to call the character a word I'm not going to say. It's not that word, but it's a word that's probably still across the line. And and I but also, think that... The, the, the scene where you say it's, it slows down, it's one of those, like, the other characters aren't okay with him talking like that. I don't know. I don't think they're that, that upset about it. Well, they, they tell him not to. Well, no, that's right. They do, don't they? They say that's not very PC these days, Gary. Mm. But even that feels like the the film wants you to identify with like its worst character. I think. I, is, is I'm, new, I'm, not not worst. Mm, sorry, not worst in terms of how he's written. He's, yeah, I no, think no, Gary I, King, I, I, I don't think that the, the the film necessarily wants you to side with him right well anyway i also think um it has several like flat jokes in it i I don't think like a lot of it is is that funny there's um there's there's i changed my discord name last night to name one line from the world's end Mm. and you what was the one that you pointed out it was written by jesus yeah like talking about the bible so it was was, everyone knows the bible was written by jesus i don't think that's very funny i've heard that joke a thousand times like it falls flat in in so many ways there was one other one that i thought of while watching it that i was like oh this is a good one and i have forgotten i don't know um i think like it's also the least inspired of the three i think that uh it's really interesting to watch a movie like people say like oh the, the, <laughs> the to engage your brain and eyes and ears um no to to what like people say and it's it's used commonly in pictures they'll say this movie is robocop meets love actually they I just always made say that, that in pictures run, run with that idea if you want to pitch that movie but i've never seen a more pure example of this is Shaun of the dead meets hot fuzz and it's almost like he he's playing mad libs with the previous two films and and seeing what because it's it's about a slacker uh in a small town who uh and the town is being invaded by like a supernatural or science fictional force um and it's about uh growing up and it's a you know what i mean like Mm. these these elements plucked from both films and like it is good it's a good it's a good movie in the sense that it's effective and there's there's not a lot of like um truly there's nothing really that bad that happens in it but like Mm. i think it's i think it's edgar wright's worst movie i'll say that i think it's his his weakest film and i think like the the one thing that that I, i i was thinking of like how how i would change 
the movie like mm. what i would do to, to change it and one thing is i think it's really weird that the the blue-blooded robots or whatever they want to blanks they call them mm. they are not hinted at or signposted or anything in the first like hour of the movie it is like a tonal shock when they show up the only reason i wasn't that when i first watched it that my mind wasn't completely blown is because it's an edgar wright movie and i've heard it's a science fiction movie i i saw it with someone who because i like i went when it came out as well um oh, yeah. and with someone who was like oh i know nothing about like i've, I've never heard of this film didn't know hot fuzz or Shaun of the dead and went along and when the the he tackles the kid into the urinal his head pops off she like audibly yelped was not expecting it to take a like a Mm. violent turn at all (laughs) yeah i guess i just don't like that there's no like you know they drive into town and you see that someone's eyes glow you know like this is what other movies would do i guess Mm. like like because it's it's what Shaun of the dead would do yeah, and I like that. I like setting tone, and mm. I don't like it when it suddenly shifts. That That's me personally, but I think that yeah. it would be a better movie if it was set up. I love the sudden shift. Fair enough. Yeah. I think it could be signposted. I would early. say, so about this film, watching it, so I I purposely rewatched this one the least to preserve mm. as much of that original experience yeah, sure. as I can. I do. I do quite like this film, and I think it's one of those... Like, remember how you, you made a uh, video essay that was, like, called Learning to Love The Last of Us 2? Sure. And it was like, you could admit this is a, well, I think you can admit this is a flawed piece of art, but learning to sort of, like, find, you know, and, and really coming to love it. I think that's kind of how I am with The World's End. And I think, talking about it being Edgar Wright's worst film, I'm torn between whether this is Edgar Wright phoned it in or if this is his most personal film. I know exactly what you mean, because watching it... I was like, this feels like he was like, oh, I don't really want to make a third Cornetto trilogy movie. Yeah. And so what I think, I think it's a combination of both. I don't think he wanted to make this film, but I think mm. he was committed and the world knew it existed because for some mm. reason, the Wikipedia page for Hot Fuzz had the world's end at, written at the bottom of mm. it for like years, right? I think he went, I don't really want to do this. And then he had to push himself to do it. So he made it about this deeply personal story about what it feels like to grow Hmm. into your 40s. Um, And so it's both, I think. I think it's both personal and phoned in. But also just like, so Hot Fuzz and Shaun of the Dead, we both praised for having this like really great, subtle uh, works on multiple rewatches. And The World's End feels like that, oh, you like that? Well, here's it turned up to 11. And it's that thing of like, is this put seeing how much he can put in or is it just like ah oh, fuck it let's just make it super surface level so mm. it's like there's all the 12 pubs the names of all the pubs refer to what happens at that pub and then, the, the bear crawl itself is yeah the, when they talk about the the, uh, the opening narration tells you the bit the pub crawl they initially did and it says oh we lost this person at this pub this yeah. person at this pub blah 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 and then that's what happens and it feels like like watching the film for the first time and having such a deep relationship with the first first two, even in the first in the cinema, that initial experience, I was going, okay, so Oliver's out here, okay, so I keep that in mind because he'll be out in there, yeah, and yeah, it's um, yeah, it's it's a bit too obvious with its um, mm. with its setups and and callbacks and and whatnot, but yeah, it is. 
I, I will say about this one, because I, I, I have a similarly conflicted view yeah. as you, and I think that it's, you, you want this to be a perfect trilogy. You want the third one to live up to the first two as much. And I've seen people say it does, you know, and I think it does. I will say about this one, though, I think this is Simon Pegg's best performance. Sure, yeah. Yeah, I think Gary King is his probably his most interesting character. Mm-hmm. Um, like you say, he's the worst character in the film just as a person. But yeah. the uh, when he has the breakdown at the end, revealing that he's tried to commit suicide and that the reason he's going on this pub crawl is because it's all he has. And he has a line where he's like, "They told me to go to bed. When to go to bed? Me." And mm. it's this really like really powerful thing yeah the, the, like there is a lot i really like about this movie but it is obviously the weakest of the three i think i i really want to uh talk about gary king more and i agree I've, i hadn't thought of that before but it probably is his best performance but i think i remember reading about this film in that little wikipedia section for years mm. years before it came out and it was like the cornetto in this one is gonna be mint mm. uh, you know and, all, and one of the things it said is that nick frost would take center stage over simon Pegg for this one and that is absolutely not what happened yeah it's probably the least it's probably the most yeah, he's, he, yeah it's, it's more like it's simon Pegg and four other actors I remember reading there was like Nick Frost was going to play the straight man. So, right. Uh, maybe and I'd say that does that, yeah. Well, what I think, my biggest note in this film, I think Andy Knightley should have been the main character. Mm. I think I think it would have been way better if you have a story about like when you have grown up, but you do have these yearnings for the past and your asshole friend is influencing everything you're doing, but he's right. He's right. Mm. The town has changed, you know? Mm. And I, 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 I thought of something that I, this would be really funny to bring up because I know it's a movie that you don't like. But a really good example of a movie that does this uh, is a Kiwi film called Two Little Boys. which stars, Love that movie. Really? I thought you hated it. I don't remember saying that. Oh, okay. Sweet. I love it. <laughs> I, th- I, I thought you hated it. No, Really? genuinely i thought you hated it oh no i love it. it's probably one of my favorite kiwi films that's so interesting uh, i don't I don't, I don't love it i don't hate it but so it stars uh brett mckenzie from flight of the concords who i've met twice in one weekend and um <laughs> it also stars what's his name hamish blake hamish blake from from the australia's australian flight talk show radio talk radio yeah. <laughs> um and it's about a, a a group of a couple of friends who uh the more innocent one accidentally runs over and kills someone and the movie is the two of them trying to hide the body over the course of a few weeks right yeah i actually don't like the grizzly tonal shift in that movie <laughs> the thing i My, don't like in it. what what i liked and this is spoilers for a movie that i doubt anyone is running out to see anyway what i like about that movie is that toward the end you start to realize this is not a two protagonist feature like the title would suggest this Mm. is actually like brett mckenzie's character is the main character hamish blake's character is actually the villain and the Mm. the resolve at the end of the movie is that um hamish blake agrees to take the blame he he's like i did it i ran over the guy he goes to prison and the agreement they reach is brett will visit him in prison every weekend right Mm. and so it satisfies both 
part like Brett gets to be free which is what the audience wants because he's the innocent one um, but Hamish does it because he loves his friend to, to the nth <laughs> degree that he you know like he'll go to prison for him and it's a really satisfying conclusion I think to a mostly forgotten movie I saw once 10 years ago and I think <laughs> that is what would enhance the world's end so much if because you can even keep the ending the ending of this film's great the ending of this film is the the world ends the the, the world's mm. end the world ends and um the last scene is in a post-apocalypse and gary king is walking around with the the teenage replicants of his best friends and they like go from pub to pub stirring trouble right and it is mm. it is what gary king wants and mm. Nick Frost's character uh, is able to settle down with his wife, and things are a bit bittersweet, but they're but it's the end of the world, right? And I think mm. that ending would be better if Nick Frost was the main character in this movie, mm. because then then you've got a more like um, you've got the normal character has has like more of a satisfying ending, and then you've got this crazy sidekick character has this crazy sidekick ending, mm. and I think it's such a massive mistake that that Nick Frost is sidelined for so much of this movie. Yeah, it is interesting that yeah, like I knew this one would garner the most discussion. I mean, because I had a, a ten minute story. To yeah, tell about it, but, um, yeah, it is. It is a super interesting movie, and it is. Like, other, I can see why Edgar Wright would think it's their best as well. Mm. Yeah, I can yeah, see that as well. Yeah, it's, it is a super interesting thing. And I wonder if, because I think Shaun of the Dead hit us both different yeah, watching yeah, it now. Totally. I wonder if The World's End will hit us different in 10 years' time. That's That's the other thing I wanted to say, is the climax of this movie is the surviving characters, which for some reason isn't just Simon Pegg and Nick Frost, it's Paddy Constantine as well, which is like, <laughs> what? Surely it just should be the two of them are the ones left alive by the end. Um, they have a conversation with the Alien Network, voiced by Bill Nye, where mm. they... And like... This this is like, I'll accept that this is just me not responding to the film and not a flaw in the film. The thing they're arguing about is like... Oh, the line I was thinking of. Sorry, oh, yeah. it was, fuck off back to Legoland, you cunt. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the sort of message of the film is just something that I don't care about or relate to like this is a film of, this is a better this is 40 than this is 40 right like this is yeah, yeah. this is a movie about being at the edge of 30 and that is something i'm yet to experience and i you know maybe i will watch this movie in 10 years and it'll hit me harder but it ju- i just don't care i don't relate mm. to this this conversation this this like bleeding heart like message this film has about getting older i i think it's it feels like it's saying not that much it feels like yeah i, I don't know i just think that it's 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 less relatable than the other two um and it's it's less to me, creative a year old yeah it's it's less innovative I don't know. Yeah. I, yeah. I, one, one thing that's interesting, I remember like, um, because obviously there's a list of things that the third f- film in the trilogy had to include, a fence gag, a Cornetto, lots mm. of blood, Bill Nye. And I remember telling people like my little tease for the film was like, there's maybe no blood in the film. There's a little bit of blood, but it's like- It's like bruises and things. Yeah. But there's so there's maybe no like- uh, obtu- um what's the word excessive blood and there's no cornetto and bill nye doesn't appear in the film it's like what but it's like they they subvert all these things bill nye appears in a voice only role i would hate if you told me those things <laughs> i'd be like these are spoilers these are blatant spoilers there's the it's it's super gory but it's always with this ink and mm. then 
um yeah the cornetto appears as a rapper only and like i i i'm intrigued by that idea and i'm sure writing it it's like what if the third one didn't have the blood or ice cream but yeah. like it's, it's, the cornetto thing i'm fine with the lack of blood is just like i don't know it feels it feels sanitized it feels like mm. it feels like this is you could take out the offensive language and this one would only be like m you yeah. know because the blood is blue and i think that's an integral part of the the first two films that is missing from this one i will say i'm annoyed that the color scheme for the the blanks was blue not green <laughs> yeah it should be green yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so i don't know i think that this is i remember seeing this in, in cinemas and i remember me and my friend johnny who we you know these were this was johnny was the guy i shared hot fuzz and Shaun of the dead with in high school i, thought I, was. I didn't know you in high school <laughs> I went I went to see it with him and we were both super excited. I remember standing next to him in a urinal after we'd watched the film and Johnny just went, Oh yeah. Nice penis. <laughs> no, he said he said Shaun of the Dead's better or Hot Fuzz is better. And I remember just being like, Yeah, it really is. And like this leads me into something I've talked about, I think, in on the uh most disappointing films of twenty twenty one. I don't know if I like Edgar Wright movies that much. Mm. because i think first i think he's a brilliant director but that does not necessarily mean i like his films and for mm. all the clout he has with 29 year old white men with beards like i wonder if They're actually right <laughs> <laughs> i i i love hot fuzz i have a complicated relationship with Shaun of the dead no, i don't fault, <laughs> no but but okay i'm <laughs> yeah. still saying i don't know if i like <laughs> yeah. his movies um, I I don't like The World's End that much. Scott Pilgrim, I feel like I it was underwhelming. I like it, but it's it's not as good as like I think I wanted mm. it to be. Uh, I didn't really like Baby Driver, and I didn't really like Last Night in Soho. So really, it's mm. just he made one movie that is my favorite movie, and I've mm. I don't know. Like I would say my grunt relationship is like love Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fuzz, one of my favorite movies of all time. Love scott pilgrim like world's end didn't love baby driver really liked nice i thought you didn't like it i was me who didn't like it um (laughs) yeah i don't know because we look so alike (laughs) yeah i get confused sometimes yeah i guess like this this is like it is this was a realization i had recently where i was like Mm. do i actually like edgar wright and yeah i think i like him i like his directing style as you know as mimicked as it has been over my career mm. but i don't know if i like his movies that much it is funny the talking about the mimicking of of his thing that you watch like any student film and so like edgar wright the, the quick cut montage is like the classic edgar wright thing and people do it all the time but they they forget that there's a zoom in the shot it's like quick shot of like um and this is the, the the funny sort of joke in um hot fuzz and Shaun of the dead is that it's like really mundane tasks done with like action sort of mm. cinematography so it'll be like you know spreading his toast kind of thing and so it'll be like opening the cutlery drawer um you know dipping your knife in the butter and then spreading it on the toast and so if a film school student was, was to do this it would just be three static shots but in Shaun of the dead there's a zoom on every shot and i feel like that's the the key thing that you don't see recognized and people yeah. are, are watching their edit and going why doesn't ours look like that and it's because yeah, yeah. you didn't put a fucking zoom on it yeah 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 
Yeah, he's the master of um, locational transitioning. In oh, film. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. So, that is the Cornetto trilogy or the Blood and Ice Cream trilogy. What do we call the this episode? I think the Cornetto trilogy is the most ubiquitous title, personally. Do we use the Cornetto logo as the... Although well, the, on um, the, the there's there's a Wikipedia page for the Three Flavors Cornetto trilogy and it has the official film series logo and it's like the smallest photo I've ever seen in my life. Can you send it to me? Yeah, you can see how small it is. You can probably count the pixels live on the podcast. <laughs> it wouldn't take you very long. <laughs> it must have just appeared in one DVD box. It's probably on the on. It'll be like a DVD box set. I can't um, count the pixels be... because the picture's too small. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it looks like it comes from like a DVD spine or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. So, um, I, I sh- we should also mention as well. So this was uh, suggested by my mum last week when the patrons mm. voted for that. Uh, yeah, I, I got my parents after being coming obsessed with Hot Fuzz. I remember showing it to my dad and then my mum and they both got really into it. And I think they went to go see The World's End in the cinema. My parents don't do this shit, man. My parents don't get obsessed with movies because I get obsessed with them. Mm. This is bullshit. <laughs> so, I, we have a segment called Cult Elders. Mm. This is where we have a me- meeting of the elders is the name of the segment, where we... <laughs> you explain it. Yeah, so if you donate uh, to our Cult Elders tier on patreon.com slash uh we invite you to a secret little Discord channel where you can tell us your thoughts on the franchise of the Fortnite. Um, so we've asked a bunch of people to uh, tell us what they think of the Cornetto trilogy. I'll say it, I always called it the Blood and Ice Cream trilogy. Until so two weeks ago when you announced it was the Cornetto trilogy, I was like, the episode will be called the Blood and Ice Cream trilogy. <laughs> uh interesting yeah i i i i I, my memory of it is i always called it blood and ice cream and i started calling it cornetto because you did like are you serious you're not just being funny no like yeah if you asked me in my head that it was like no one else called it blood and ice cream (laughs) and i felt too ashamed too many times but i mean like i've called it the cornetto trilogy for seven years but this trilogy is like it's written into the DNA of our friendship. I don't think this has ever happened before. Like, has yeah. there ever been another franchise that's been so, like, crucial to the story of me and you? No. Before Sunrise had another fun story. Yeah, true. But <laughs> you were like, yeah, we just, uh, he actually made these other films. <laughs> oh, yeah, another story <laughs> Another about story me where you just look I like a dick. Um, all right, so... AJ, name one line from the world's end to put the call out um, for our first responses from Pre from Michigan, who said, NARP. Very good. <laughs> very fun line, very line reference there. Uh, what did Cheese say there, AJ? She said, Shaun of the Dead is very funny, but I wonder if it holds up. Hot Fuzz is a masterpiece start to finish. Never saw World's End, but I don't think I'm missing much. Is this really a trilogy? Seems like a stretch. Okay, guy. Guy whose name is Cheese. (laughs) (laughs) Guy whose name is Cheese telling us it's a stretch. Um, Me thinks you Um, doth. Mozzarella much? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I think Shaun of the Dead uh, does hold up. I think. 
Uh, if any of yeah, them absolutely. don't hold up, it's the world's end. I think it's mm. aged the worst. Yeah, I would say may as well see world's end if you feel that strongly about the first two. And yeah, it's absolutely a trilogy. And I think anyone who disagrees with that is a big dirty head. Vinny is level 27 said, I love Shaun of the Dead and Hot Fuzz. Seen them multiple times. Only watched the world's end once and thought it was fine. I do want to bring up a brief moment. There was a Shaun of the Dead crossover with Phineas and Ferb. Um, I have not seen this before. I'm going to see how long. Oh, I have seen this before, actually. I just want to know whose idea this was and how many foods eventually watched Shaun of the Dead and when. Hey, that's the guy from that one Phineas and Ferb episode. If you had to do a cartoon crossover with a uh, character of Hot Fuzz of the World's End, which cartoon would you choose? You had to do a cartoon crossover with characters of Hot Fuzz of the World's End. Okay. Let's go. Um, let's go the World's End characters showing up in like Fallout. Is that a cartoon? That's a video game. <laughs> or maybe the Hot Fuzz characters showing up in like um, <laughs> Brooklyn Nine-Nine. So I've never seen Felicia Fu before, but that clip is very funny. <laughs> it's actually Simon Pegg and Nick Frost. Um, oh, nice. As well. So um, I didn't hear anything of what you said. Um, well, you read out uh, Dan's comment and I'll watch it. Okay, so... Dan said, as usual, I've got haikus. Shaun of the Dead, four and a half stars. Tightly edited. Perfect setup and payoff. It is forever. Hot Fuzz, five stars. Perfect editing. Perfect quotes. Foreshadowing. I'm not made of eyes. <laughs> and the world's end, four stars. When I first saw this, wasn't drinking at the time. This time, this one hurt. All right. I've now watched the Phineas and Ferb clip while you read out those. Were they good? How were they? How were the haikus this week? Fantastic. Best haikus I've ever read. <laughs> Cartoon crossover. I would have Gary King appear and Jimmy Neutron. <laughs> nice. Bliss my dog, but it's spelled backwards. Uh, says, years and years ago, I started watching Stuart Ashens on YouTube. And for the longest time, I always was always perplexed at the similarities between one of my favorite YouTubers and Simon Pegg. Many times I'd see one of these films in passing and have to do a double take. No, they aren't related, but they certainly do look like they could be twins. I'll include a photo below so Rich and AJ can judge for themselves. Uh, there's a photo of Ashens that he's included, um, and then Cheese very helpfully posted a gif of Simon Pegg uh, below. I would say there is a passing resemblance. I don't think. Yeah, I would. if you're stupid and have face blindness, <laughs> don't don't say. That. <laughs> um, I can see it's clearly just the goatee. It's it's the haircut that is doing a lot of the heavy lifting. Mm. I would say it's. Um, Bless my dog has said, please describe as best you can this non-visual medium. I would say, imagine H Bomber guy, the YouTuber, but with a goatee. Do you know what's actually doing a lot of the heavy lifting? Is the photo he's posted looks like yeah, the backdrop is from Shaun yeah. of the Dead. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like it's like a, a skip in the background and like a dirty old brick fence. <laughs> yeah. Um, Bliss goes on to say, anyways, I watched Shaun of the Dead a few years ago. I certainly enjoyed it, but I found Peg's character to be a bit insufferable in retrospect. Caring more about his bloody pub at the end, as the end be all, be all safest place in the world. Oh my. Other than that, I recall liking the film. Do you think Shaun is an insufferable character? Mm, no, I think he's sufferable. I think it's Ed that's the one. Yeah, like yeah, it's, yeah, it's about freedom from those who pull you down. Uh, they continue, I actually just finished watching Hot Fuzz. For years I heard it was of it as the perfect screenplay and everything as a payoff, and I guess, sorta, most of the stuff gets paid off all at once in a, the usual suspects twist ending, which I don't think is true. Uh, but I mm. felt it was a bit of a letdown compared to what I've heard. I will say, 
that the third act really packs the heat. Hence, it's my favourite of the two I watched. And they say they didn't watch The World's End. I'm so glad Bliss has said this because it reminds me of something I did want to say. Is that I'm starting to, uh, as I have been experimenting this year with like filmmaking and trying to like find my own voice. Which is not something mm. I've talked about a lot on the podcast. But maybe that could be a fun discussion to have. Um, one thing I'm discovering that I really fucking love in movies and that i've tried to replicate in at least some of the films i've made this year some of the short films i've made is i really love like action-packed satisfying uh conclusions to stories mm. and i think um and watching uh glass onion um and knives out as well um recently this apply the, the reason i love those movies so much is because they have really satisfying final acts mm. i reckon hot fuzz has the longest satisfaction I've ever felt. <laughs> yeah. Like the the satisfaction of Hot Fuzz's ending is thirty five minutes long, whereas usually I'm talking mm. like a ten minute scene that makes you go yeah, fuck yeah. yeah. Like I think that the the final act of Hot Fuzz is so goddamn fun, and it doesn't let up for so long, and you you end it just being like, what a thrill ride that final act mm. was. You know. Yeah my uh, my advice to Bliss my dog would be watch Hot Fuzz again because. If like if you're just going oh yeah I guess the payoffs were there it's like you didn't watch it closely enough like that th- this is it's it's such a rewarding rewatch watch it with a commentary watch it with a trivia yeah, track yeah, on yeah. and totally. then watch it again you'll pick up more stuff it's so tight it's so clever hmm. um, Paul Hill finally said although I followed right since Space first aired I watched World's End for the first time this week the opening felt like studying for an exam so many names and places which would inevitably be important later sort of what I touched on earlier hmm. um, being part of a thematic trilogy does World's End no favours it's a perfectly good, good film stuck forever in the shadow of two masterpieces yeah that's a good way of putting it yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, it's the opening of that film is like just because you know what's coming it's like ugh, yeah alright Mm. meeting adjourned Mm. so time to continue that franchise is it yeah if you want (laughs) if if you'll indulge me (laughs) (laughs) so there's been a few like i think just simon pig and edgar wright being a couple of filmy boymans like us is that they've they they just would talk about these things um so there's they say, oh, there's ideas that have been thrown around for sequels to these films, but not necessarily, you know, anything substantial. I've never believed anything they've said. Yeah, one of the, the one of the ideas that, that was thrown around was um, From Dusk Till Sean, which is clearly mm. just they thought of the title. It would be Sean yeah. and Ed battling vampires. They do and talk was about that referenced in, in Into the Spider-Verse? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, there's a poster for, for it in Into the Spider-Verse. What a crazy it, reference to put in a movie. Yeah, there's also um, the, there's a poster for Clone College. Oh, um, uh, yeah. A sequel to Clone High, but that's a Lord and Miller reference. Hmm. Um, but yeah, they talked, um, Simon Pegg has said that there were some ideas, now shelved ideas for Hot Fuzz. They said that they're the idea of a sequel was put forward which would be a crocodile dundee style reversal of having danny in the big city and mm. they also talked about a spin-off with the andes and but then they ah. say they've, they've they're done with that i've the the title for hot fuzz 2 have you got that oh, yeah. down oh, was I, yeah, no, I, have, don't. I remember reading years ago and obviously this is a joke but they said it would be called hot fuzz pigs in the city yeah yeah, a, yeah. parody of babe 2 pig in the city yeah <laughs> 
Um, the and also Simon Pegg said that he'd love to play Gary King again. He said, "I really, really loved playing that character." And Edgar and I tend not to dwell on the past. We don't do sequels to our movies because we always just want to keep things moving, do different things. And people always ask us about sequels, and we always say no. And I think that that will always be the case. Case, but an imaginary kind of scenario where we did a sequel, I would definitely do a kind of post-apocalyptic worlds in sequel with Gary off in the wilderness with his blank friends fighting. Well, I guess I don't have a continue the franchise then, Richard, because Simon Pegg already said my idea. <laughs> oh, wow. Uh, what was your idea? Uh, well, like, I was going to be like, you know, from dusk till Sean talked about a lot. Hot Fuzz, Pigs in the City talked about a lot. The World's End never got any, rec- you know, no one, no one's ever pitching World's End sequels, despite the fact that it's the one that invites a sequel the most. Um, mm. Certainly, far more than Shaun of the Dead. I can't imagine returning to Shaun of the Dead. Mm. Um, I let's say it's a Telltale game, <laughs> a, a World's End <laughs> okay. Telltale game, and it's called The World's End: The Beginning, right? And it's because nice. I remember my first Except criticism. <laughs> I remember my first criticism coming out of the World's End was like it ends at the most interesting point, and I do wonder. Like, here's my theory, right? Edgar Wright feels obligated to write a third Cornetto trilogy film. He fumbles his way through a script for The World's End, which is very derivative of Hot Fuzz and Shaun of the Dead. And to make himself interested in it, he puts what he's caring about at the time and what he's thinking about the time as the like thematic backbone of it. Then he gets to the end, right? And he writes about this post-apocalyptic wasteland where um, Simon Pegg is walking around with a bunch of blanks or robots following him. And he hands the script in and he goes home that night and he thinks, fuck, that's where the movie should have started. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Because I think one thing that would have made this film stand out was like a really distinct setting location shift from the other two. And Mm. if it's post-apocalypse, I think that would be, it could still be a pub crawl movie, but in the apocalypse, you know, like I just, I I feel like I, I bet it. I bet you he, he finished that script and got to the end. And part of him was like, this is where it should have started. Hmm. My continue the franchise is I I like the idea of I, I don't know if this is what they intended, but I always like the idea of from dust till Sean just being that like you like do a reset of where the characters are at the start of the film, at the start of mm. Sean of the Dead, but now vampires is the right, thing that, yeah, yeah. that comes in. And maybe you make Ed the main well, I mean it wouldn't make sense because it's in the title. But um or you could like Dawn of the Ed. And then remake it, but now it's the main character. And so then I spent ages trying to think of like other pun titles to do the same thing for like Hot Fuzz and World's End of like, what other thing could I like reboot the story with? But then I had what the, the idea I had was that well, you remake the films, but with like a protagonist roulette. So okay. <laughs> instead you, you remake the, uh, you know, starring the same characters, but you remake Shaun of the Dead, but now it's called King of the Dead, and it's what would happen if zombies invaded Gary King and all his compatriots. Yeah, yeah. Um, you have a very my, similar movie to The World's End. <laughs> yeah, my sim- uh, my second one was, uh, it's called Hot Sean, and mm. what if Sean was, you know, thrust at the forefront of a police department in a small town that mm. was committing all these murders. And then the final one, is the world's fuzz, which is Nicholas Angel and Danny Butterman going on a pub crawl when these blanks mm. take over everything. I like it. That's awesome. 
great job does that bring us to the end of the no we've got to rank it we got to rank it. Richard, I beg your pardon. we got to rank this shit. If you go over to letterbox.com slash you'll find that we've made a list of every franchise we've ever covered. Um, and we're going to um, rank this in amongst the, how many, 160 odd 167. other franchises. 167 well, 166 other, other franchises. Uh, okay. All right. So. What are we thinking? What were you thinking? <laughs> I don't know, pub. <laughs> I know, <laughs> pub. <laughs> hey, that weren't me. That weren't me. Um, so I'm, you know, I'm not made of stone. I'm willing to acknowledge we should rank this relatively high. But how how high are you thinking? Uh, I've got below three colors, blue above Back to the Future. Really? Below Back to the Future. Really? You think this is better than possible? I reckon like I reckon it's better than Child's Play. I guess the accumulative wealth of them all is better than than Child's Play, but I think Child's Play is maybe a better franchise. But also, mm. how do you even compare this? Yeah, right. Different it's going in at number ten, just above <laughs> Child's Play, below Scream. Sweet. There we okay. go. That is the ranking done. Now it's time to reveal our next franchise. And um, uh, AJ, um, um, uh, how are we doing that this time? Well, Richard, uh, the next film franchise, Fortnite's, will be our final film franchise, Fortnite's, for the year. Oh, uh, we'll be shit. back in the new year, but this will be the final 2022, the final of the 2022 season. Um, and our shortest season yet. Yeah, because it's Christmas time, I've made us a little special thing, Richard, and it's called Xmas Roulette. Emphasis on the X, aka Whoa. emphasis on ten. We're there gonna are... have. Oh, I thought you were gonna, we were going to have um, a guest. We're going to bring no. on guests who we've previously dated. <laughs> no, uh, the. There are very few Christmas franchises that we either haven't covered or due to our podcast law reasons uh, will not cover, uh, <laughs> at least not yet, um, that that have that are, you know, have Christmas in them, right? Yeah. Last year, I think our, our Christmas franchise was Frozen. Uh, so to, just to give you an idea of how far we're stretching the yeah. definition of a Christmas Winter franchise. Franchises. Winter So I've got a list here of 10 franchises that either have a Christmas, at least one Christmas-themed movie in the bunch, or they are set in the snow, or one of them is set in the snow. Um, yeah. And yeah, there's 10 of them. So I and want I you to give me... List. Exactly, which is why I actually want you to not even use the random number generator. Wow. Or you can if you want. I guess it doesn't make a much much of a difference. Or do you want to just pick a number out of 10? Um, I'm going to roll a 10-sided dice on That's Google. a great idea. All right. 10. <laughs> All righty. Next franchise, the final, the finale. Uh-huh. <laughs> so are you going to make me guess it? Uh, yep. Okay, I, let me check how many there are. I actually didn't know there was a Christmas one, but then I looked at a previous list and it, it was on there. Let me just check it is. <laughs> um, okay, it is a one, two, three, four film franchise. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, you know what? I don't think it is Christmas, but it's still relevant. Uh, it's an animated franchise. Okay. Um, it is not a 
Christmas franchise. I believe it might be a Hanukkah franchise. Oh. I could be wrong, but I'm Eight looking crazy at what nights. A, No, there's only one of them, sadly. <laughs> was Why that. was this on the Christmas list? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Who put it on the Christmas list? It was on a previous one. Right. Let me control F Christmas. No. How do you spell Hanukkah? <laughs> yeah, okay. No, it's, it's Hanukkah. It's a Hanukkah franchise. The first one oh. <laughs> involves Hanukkah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. Uh, so it's animated. 2D animated? 2D animated. We have covered a... Um, a franchise that was uh, directed by the same guy that directed the first one before, and we fucking hated it, Richard. Right. So is this is this a Don Bluth franchise? It's a Don Bluth franchise. Is it an American tale? It's an American tale, Richard. <laughs> so next, for the final of Film Franchise Fortnite's 2022, we are going to be covering an American tale. An American tale, Fievel Goes West. An American tale, The Treasure of Manhattan Island. And an American tale, The Mystery of the Night Monster. Uh, the, the One of them vaguely involves hanukkah tis the season <laughs> it's so funny man oh, i can't wait for our title discussion on this one <laughs> well let's stay tuned for next fortnight everybody if you enjoyed this show please consider liking it on uh, twitter and, or following us on twitter or instagram at cold popshire um you can also join our discord i highly recommend you join the discord tell us what you think of the movies we have discussed uh, this is what I, I always forget but i always want to make this our catchphrase um i want to know your thoughts on our thoughts that's why mm. I got into podcasting. I want to know people's thoughts on what I thought. Um, so tell me if you thought I had a good idea. Maybe don't tell me if you thought I had a bad idea. <laughs> Just keep that to yourself. Um, and finally, if you would like to support us financially, you can do so at patreon.com slash where You get all sorts of little goodies, including exclusive podcasts that we always delay till the end of the month and they come out late. But they do come out. Uh, they're just a <laughs> month behind. Um, you can also uh, be a part of the Cult Elders section we read out before. And you also get to contribute something to the post credit scene, which is coming up after this music ends. Richard, Merry Christmas! Bloody oh, hell! Happy bloody Hanukkah, mate. <laughs> we'll see you guys next week. Um, what's the final line? Bring the noise is the final line of Hot Fuzz. What's the final line? Four water, five waters, please. Ah, uh, yes, nice. That'll do. The short Ooh, of the dead ones. Just, you make yeah, me yeah. live. Ooh, you're my best friend that I ever had. I've been with <laughs> you such a long time. I'm thinking about this so much stuff we didn't mention, like the "Don't Stop Me Now" thing. Mm. There was like, oh man. It's all, people have seen these movies. People have seen them. People can <laughs> fuck off. All right. Welcome along to the post credit scene. This is a segment at the end of each episode where if you donate $5 or more over at patreon.com slash you get to give us something to talk about in this, the post credit scene. Richard, who is it from and what is it this week? Today's post credit scene comes to us from Joshua Cole, who says, what's your favorite land animal, sea animal and dinosaur? I presume they're they're asking for three different creatures there, not <laughs> one that fits in the middle of the Venn diagram. <laughs> so I would say my favorite land animal, to, to be how specific we're talking, it would be my two cats. But the and genre or like species, it would be red panda. I fucking love red pandas so much. 
Mm-hmm. Um, sea animal, I don't think about that much. Neither really dinosaur. I mean, I guess a triceratops. I, I made a hat with a triceratops on it recently in that I bought a triceratops uh, patch and I stuck it on to a cap because I thought it'd be cool to have a triceratops cap. And so, yeah, was I guess... It? It was, yeah. When you saw oh, cool. it, I wore it to the 48 Hours final. Yeah, it fucking rocks, dude. <laughs> and sea animal, I'm going to go blobfish because they're misunderstood. Ah, oh, that's very sweet. Mm. I'm going to go um, an elephant, my favorite land animal. I so desperately want to meet an elephant in my life. I think that's Oh, bro, like, I've met an elephant. I know. Them. You've told me. And then I said, your nose hairs are too long. <laughs> um, I don't know. I just think that they're so well, beautiful and int- intelligent. Real long. I and, remember it so specifically. Um, well, speaking of long things to do with noses, elephants, elephants. have fucking long ass noses. <laughs> um, so that'd be my favorite land animal, closely followed by a rabbit, which is just my childhood oh, well. favorite animal. Um, sea animal, I'm going to go seahorse. I think they're pretty cute. What about a sea elephant? A uh, dugong? Or an elephant seal? Oh, that's a seal? sea cow. Oh, yeah, all of those. Fuck yeah. Uh, and my favorite dinosaur, let's go um, Stegosaurus. Now, let's go I'm Pterodactyl. Gonna... I'm going to fly. Oh, what about a... Does a woolly mammoth count? No, it doesn't count as a dinosaur. You just have elephants as all of yours. Oh, yeah, fuck yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, that's my fucking answer. <laughs> <laughs> 